<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And this is The Outsiders of Horror. <laughs> now listening to the Outsiders of Horror Podcast. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another fun-filled episode of the Outsiders of Horror. I am the Wolfman, if you don't know already. Uh, with me, as always, is the fat man himself. If you missed last week, go listen because he was singing that in sync all night long, Mr. Brian Farmer. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Fuck you all. Thank you. Yeah. That still was a hoot. Uh, <laughs> it was with a drunk us, hoot. <laughs> yeah. With <laughs> us is Faye All Day. You know what it is. And we Faye. have a special guest this week. Um, one who is actually connected to one of the movies we're doing tonight, uh-huh. Mr. Uh, Michael Coulomb. How are you, cool. sir? Very good. Yeah, very all French and everything. Good job. Coulomb, yeah. oui, oui. The eight years of French had to come in handy somehow. <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. That's a uh, that's awesome. Good job. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, before we start this shit off, it wouldn't be an episode if I didn't say "fuck you, Daryl Hook." <laughs> fuck you, Daryl Hook. I mean, fuck you, cousin. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. I love you, man. I'm, I love you, cousin Daryl. Yeah, to you <laughs> listeners, you know we talk about Daryl Hook every week. Well, meet his cousin. This is this is him right here. Yep. This is how I know you guys is through Daryl. Yeah, I met you all right. at TFW. All, all the fun times, two years at TFW. <laughs> yep, Daryl, you're the abortion that keeps on giving. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Bazoom. Well, Daryl actually, um, in his defense, is really the one that kind of like when we were growing up together was like so obsessed with horror that he kind of like introduced me to it. So he's really, I think, the main reason why I love horror so much. Oh, and that makes him happy. So I have to, I have to give him that shout out there. Right on. Plug. Well, fuck you, Daryl Hook. <laughs> yeah, wow, Daryl, you actually had influence in someone's life. Holy shit! <laughs> A positive well, I'm, I'm, I'm three months older, so I'm I'm. I guess I'm the older one, but he influenced my life with horror. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, so go. most people don't know this, but Daryl and I are three months apart to the day. So my birthday is February 18th, and his is May 18th. Ah, so you get to yeah. pull the seniority card on him. All the time. <laughs> nice. Gets me nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Except for maybe like when we were kids. And I was like, no, I'm older. I get to go first. So Man. This is fun. Thanks for like me on your show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah was, we, we've been trying for a while. Um, you know, I was, I was, I travel a lot and I, and I film a lot and it's really hard to get me on. And I apologize for that. Yeah. Cause I think the last Frightmare we talked about, trying to get you on here and here we are now in the new year 
going to Fright Night. You know, we're like five months, months away. Four months from Frightmare? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, it happens. Hey, look, no time like the present. Look, and I'm, you're my first podcast of the year where it's January. I don't know when this is going to air, but, you know, we're in the first first few days of January. Yeah, yeah. So. That's right. Popping that cherry, 2020. You guys <laughs> believe it's 2020? Whole new. It's weird thinking it's 2020 and there's no flying cars. That's what's pissing me off. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Give it time. They yeah. need to be flying cars so I can get a DUI that way. <laughs> You'll get a DUI walking down the fucking street. All right. <laughs> I've seen you at TFW. I'm surprised you don't get you know staying around. Right. Well, you know, that's the I'm good thing surprised. about this pod is that I get to get drunk at home now, just hanging that's out right. with these dudes instead of going out and getting drunk. Keeps me. I have, to, I have to be honest. I'm always surprised you remember TFW because every time I see you, you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do for some reason my I don't black out at TFW I get hammered I just don't black out I tend to remember the next time like oh okay yeah I know what happened it's a good time well that was so you guys I met Brian Strang well and Tim my first TFW because that's when I went back with Daryl <clears throat> and then Daryl couldn't go the second year and that's when I hung out with all of you yep and Brian and I became really good friends right. Nightmare Nation yep. Nightmare Nation represent but. <clears throat> Oh, there's a gang now. now? Third, huh? <laughs> so there's a gang now called there, there is. Yeah, we, yeah, we have our own Facebook group page. Yeah. What what color do y'all wear? <laughs> well, you have to find out this year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, I don't. You know what else colors. there is, Faye? There's fucking news as always, good sir. Oh, I fucking love news. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So first, we're kicking off. Um, I'm so sick and tired of this fucking Evil Dead news. So Ramy while promoting the grudge which i will fucking talk about later um <laughs> that just came he, out yeah uh he he did the reddit questions like most people do while promoting and someone brought up evil dead yet again and he said that they found a writer he's going to um write it direct it and then someone brought up um the remake from what, was 2013 something like that okay yeah um, and they asked if they would do a sequel to that. And he said, in a heartbeat, I'm like, at this point, if they wanted to do a sequel, they would have fucking done it. Stop yanking these people around with this evil dead. I know, they're, doing, they're doing it right now with Nightmare on Elm Street, too. Right? They're not Nightmare on Elm Street as well. Yeah. Wanted, I keep seeing posts everywhere that, like, oh, you know, uh, Robert England will do, the, will do it if they want to do it. And, uh, I'd love to see, but yeah, it's like, they talk, talk, talk. It's almost like they're trying to talk into existence. Dude, Robert Englund is getting too old, though. I'm almost like, as much as I'd love to see it, I don't know if he can pull it off. He's in his 70s now. I mean, come on. They could pull it off. I mean, they just CG him to make him look right. He just. I mean, that's, that's all they do. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you hire a stunt double and... That's the thing. Yeah, how much would it be him and how much would it be a double? Yeah. Well, I'm guessing he's not going to go flying down a set of stairs. So, I mean, he did a lot of his own stuff in Freddy vs. Jason. He was in his 50s then, 50, late 50s. Yeah. yeah. Think about that, though, Faye. 20 year gap. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, we're in 2020. That's fucking... <laughs> Ain't that the fucking truth? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you guys seen the new Quiet Place trailer? It, it, on New Year's Day, they launched the full trailer uh, for it. Okay, uh, yeah, I figured this would be brought up. 
I haven't watched it yet because I wasn't sure if I wanted to put myself through that. I, I, I like the first film, and I like how this one shows like how it all started. I like that aspect. Okay, good. Like I'm okay with that. Having a slam in reverse from the bus, I thought that was cool. But... Yeah. And I, I didn't notice that the creature's climbing out of the driver's seat of the bus as it's driving. Right. But like the rest of the trailer, though, to where they you show like present time of her after having the baby and all that stuff and meeting a new group, it, it just seems too generic to me. Like, I absolutely love the first Quiet Place film, and it was great. I mean, all you did was follow that group and didn't really see the monsters at all, and it was just very intense and suspenseful. And yeah, this time we're gonna get apparently we're gonna get a lot more monsters in this one. Like you're going to see them a whole hell of a lot more in this one, which I don't know if I'm a big fan of. And then also, I like John Krasinski. I thought he was great in the first one. And I know he's directing this new one, but he's not going to be oh, so in we didn't, he had, Well, that's yeah, he, he didn't die. Yeah, he wrote and directed this new one again. Um, you never know. He could show up at the like that beginning part of like how it all began. Well, I'm sure he'll be part of like flashbacks he, and stuff. But Yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, of course. He's making that Jack Ryan money now. Right. I mean, all that money, dude. You don't think it's all him? She's everywhere too. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, shit. She was my movie more. I mean, she did. She's everywhere, isn't she? His wife. Right. Yeah. That that family's making money. So yeah, figure what that's in March. So see how it plays out and couple months i'm still i'm pretty sure it's not going to be as good as the first one i can i'm I'm, all, I'm willing to bet money on that one like it's not gonna even touch the first one i think it'll still make a lot of money i think it, it may be good but i just i it's i don't think it's gonna be able to compare to the first one i think they're gonna try to do too much with this one since they have a bigger budget now since the first one fucking made massive amount of fucking money now they have a much bigger budget for this one they're gonna take advantage of it and i think it might actually hurt it more than it actually will benefit it yeah, but you also don't want a carbon copy of the first one. You want to expand on it. No, but let's just focus on the family that we followed the first one instead of bringing in like these new groups that like one of the lines in the trailer was like you don't want to meet the survivors or something like that. I'm just I don't know. We'll see. I'll watch it, but I'm not excited about it. Well, yeah, I mean it's a, it's, it's a horror movie, so you know we'll all watch it. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, there's definitely horror movies that come out that I don't want to watch, like the new one that just came out this weekend, fucking Grudge. I'm hearing nothing but shit. Talk about it. Talk <laughs> pile about it. of shit. Talk about and it. Like you, Brian. <laughs> almost like the new Star Wars. It's like everybody was so excited about the new Star Wars and it didn't do so well. Oh, it All did great. so bad. Fuck those reviews. The movie was fucking amazing. <laughs> you don't know what the fuck. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, right. saying, <clears throat> I'm just saying it's like, yeah. It, the views are bad, but who knows? People will go see it, and I don't know. It's, you never know. Yeah. All right. Um, next piece of news um, is on New Mutants. We had talked about this um, the last episode or the episode before. All right. Uh, yeah, April 3rd is the official date for it. Um, there was this big hoopla for the past few years that they went, they did additional footage. Um, that they wanted to make it scarier. Um, but now it's coming out that it's not the new footage. That's the original cut from what was supposed to be released three years ago. Oh, you really? So is it 
to where now just Fox didn't have faith in it because all their X-Men movies were bombing like crazy or is there something physically wrong with the movie? And now they're just hoping that because Marvel's name is officially attached that it'll actually get some traction going on. There's obviously going to be multiple cuts of the movie that gets released. There'll be the one cut that gets released theatrically or whatever. Then there'll be this kind of cut and then this kind of cut. Because, I mean, fuck, this big of a delay of a movie on a movie that people didn't need to be delayed. I mean, I don't know. There was always something wrong with it, but April 3rd, I think. April 3rd. Okay. So um, the new trailer drops um, on Monday. So when this launches, they're a day or two prior. I mean, they still have time to tweak it and stuff, and, and you know. So, I mean, if, in a movie like that, I'm sure they'll, you know, fixing it all the way to the end till the release. Right? I mean, it's a Marvel movie. Yeah. So. I mean, probably till like that week before when the cuts have to be put out. Yeah, because, yep. you know, it's not real cinema. So, you know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's funny. You be quiet there, Marty. <laughs> And Marty, we trust. All right, that's all I got to say about that one. <laughs> uh, the next piece, um, some farmer may be interested in. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. There, there is a company called Onset Cinema, and boo. what? What boo? You haven't even heard the fucking thing. <laughs> it's farmer for you. Yeah, I know it's farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Negative Nelly about everything. But their whole thing is they take people to the set of where the movie is shown and they stay there overnight and they do screenings of the movies. Oh, like where the movie was shot? Yeah, where the movie was shot. Oh, okay. okay. So the next one is on March 29th and 30th and it's for Text Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, that'd be cool. And they take you to the house that it was filmed at. And you stay overnight, and they show you the movie, and then you have a barbecue and all that stuff. How much is it? Um, one like day is like those Ghostbusters convention prices. <laughs> right. oh, they, they, this was like very limited. Um, what I believe the 29th was like four hundred dollars, and then the thirtieth was like three hundred and fifty. Oh, fuck all that. But then also in June, they're doing it for Friday 13th Part 6, where they take you to uh, their Camp Crystal Lake in Georgia, where it was filmed. Oh, that'd be awesome. I don't know. Like, it'd be, be cool, cool to like, do something like that, but then the, the price tag, though, is just fucking ridiculous. would be cool if Tom McLaughlin was there and he would show up and talk about it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, Part 6 is my favorite out of the whole franchise. Yeah, it's a good one. It's like that's my favorite, Jason. No disrespect to Kane, but I like uh dude. CJ. <laughs> CJ, there we go. I was brain fart. Oh, <laughs> uh, and the last piece of news, which Faye, we all know your uh, views on Danzig. Apparently, his next movie is already finished with uh, title so fucking, so fucking long. <laughs> um, it's called Death Rider in the House of Vampires. Really? 
So it's a vampire spaghetti western, but it actually has a very decent cast to it. So I'm intrigued now. So we have Danny Danny I would say you got Danny Trejo attached to it, Julian Sands, Kim Director, and Faze Boy, Devin Sawa. Hey, Sawa. Oh, Devin. That's my dude. Okay. So I don't know. Is his first film even on video yet? Whatever it was Veronica or whatever. I know he was touring I'm with it. I didn't remember. I didn't even know he was making films until too long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I know he was touring with Veronica. I think at the end of last year, but I haven't seen it anywhere, like streaming wise or anything. So I don't know if it's out yet or. Like I'm usually good on catching on to a movie that has some kind of cult following going on, and I have not caught on to anything that Danzig has done, unless you're a Danzig fan, and I. I'm not, but I still haven't even heard like heard it any like hush hush about his movies. Like, yeah. is Ron Candy good? Uh, I haven't heard shit. I mean, from the what I read, screening wise, it got applaud. So, but whether or not that's actually good, I don't know. I'd rather watch Fred Durst movies. Those <laughs> <laughs> are funny. Fanatic baby, <laughs> putting his own music in his own fucking movie. I don't know. Fuck Danzig, though. And I love the Misfits, and I'm still like, fuck Danzig. I'm a Graves guy <laughs> for all you Misfits fan out there. Graves over Danzig all day, every day. Fuck your mother. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are funny. All right. That, that ends the news for the week. Uh, Michelle Monahan says the Blumhouse is the craft is spooky, timely, and relevant. And to that, I say, Michelle Monahan, go fuck yourself. You haven't been relevant since 2007 and God Baby Gone. So shut the fuck up. Um, carry on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, she had an indie movie that was good, but I, I don't know when it was made. So that's great. Yeah, you and maybe three other people saw it. Um, anyway, so. No, it, 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 if there was a movie, I, I want someone to make a movie about fucking Angeline <coughs> in L.A. Michael, you know who Angeline is, right? Have they not made a movie about her at all? No, they have not. And that, it has fucking shocked me. I'm surprised there's no like Sundance indie that's about Angeline. Oh, well, <laughs> it, they probably won't do it till she passes on, but she's, you know, she's she's out there. I mean, she's up. Yeah, I see her everywhere, her and her pink but She goes to all the, like, every trend place and just sits there. When when I was uh, I was working at Film LA and she would always be down on the coffee bean down on Sunset like underneath like my office, <laughs> I'd see that woman every fucking day selling T-shirts out of her car. <laughs> I was like, "You hustling lady, I love you." I mean, she's like eighty. Decrepit skeleton. <laughs> she is like yeah, she's thin as fuck. What's interesting is is like I feel like I've, like maybe about ten. Years ago, if that, I don't know, I was out in West Hollywood and she was at some restaurant we were at. So it had to be longer than this. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I took like a picture of her. And then maybe 30 seconds later, this guy just shows up and like, he goes, hey, I saw you take a picture of Angeline. And he hands me this card with like her website where you can actually buy pictures and signed autographs and stuff. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> she knows what she's doing. But I'm not joking. She, she, she walked around with like two guys, two or three guys. And one of them just came over to our table and handed us her business card. Not like her business, but it was like, hey, if you want a picture of Angeline, like go to her website. Or I was like, okay, damn. It's very interesting. She's, a, she's official. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, she's one of those LA staples that people, 
I mean, I guess my age. We just we're from brother because we've seen the billboards and we see her everywhere. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm waiting for the day that someone makes an indie about her because it's it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> I wonder who would play her. Cause that's that's Anna, a good question. Who would play her? Because Anna Nicole has passed on, so yeah, couldn't do it. Huh? We have to pull our eyes to see who they think they could play. Who could play Angeline? In her pink Corvette. She's an enigma. I like to do while she's alive. That way she could make a cameo. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. D- Brian, do you know who we're talking about or no? No. I'm not from the LA area. So no you got to come visit, bro. I know. <laughs> so you're on. Chances are you'll see her pink Corvette driver. She drives this pink Corvette and it's her license place is Angeline. I think the story is her husband was like some billboard mom. I don't know. Maybe a farmer knows, but but she used to be like a model on those billboards or something like that. Yeah, so like the stories is she used to get with the rich like rich guys, and then she would have rich guys pay for all the billboards to help make her famous. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It worked. People know who she is. I think she's probably more infamous than famous. So I think she's just one of those enigmas of Los Angeles, you know. Kind of like what I'll probably be someday. So I'm just sort of enigma of Los Angeles. All right, I'm going to find a picture and send it to you. All right. Okay. Um, I guess that leads us into recent watches. Okay. So, Michael, since you are the guest, you get to lead us off. What are you watching nowadays? (laughs) Well, I haven't been watching a lot, Sad, because I am. You're always working. a lot. (laughs) I know, but I'm excited because I just saw. I just saw that the new season of The Magicians came out, and I've been waiting for that. I love Magicians. And then it's I'm, a really good show. Yeah, and then I'm probably four episodes into the second season of Castle Rock because um, I was trying to finish it, and I, I did a movie once with Lizzie Kaplan, so I worked with her. And I think she's doing phenomenal. I think this, this season's really good. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it. No, I haven't. And that's a TNT I, show? No, it's on Hulu. Oh, I it. Yeah, okay. and uh, I, they film they film it in Massachusetts. And a couple years ago, I was in Massachusetts working, and they were filming the first season. And so I had a friend that worked on the show, the second season, just doing like second unit stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I did a movie with Lizzie years ago. She's great, and she's doing good in the show. It's you know, it's, it's not often I think you see somebody like have like a, like she's like a mental sort of like I mean she's not a serial killer, but her character is so mental. Um, she's losing her shit, and it, you you don't see that so a lot of often with women, I think, in a lead role. So it, I think she's doing. I think the show is phenomenal. Yeah, I heard she uh, she's phenomenal as Annie Wilkes. Like for Kathy Bates to even give you recognition for it is has to say yeah. something. Yeah, she's it's really good. I'm loving it. So that's kind of what I'm watching, um, TV wise. And then I also got into the Prodigal Son. If we're gonna keep it to horror, and um, my friend Jacob turned me on to that, and I found it interesting. Do you, do you have you heard of the product? Son? I think it's like an it's, MC a, it's on it's on Fox. That it's like the, the yeah. Hannibal Lecter type show almost. Yeah, like his his father um, is a serial killer, and he's like has the same tendencies. But instead of being a serial killer, he's like he's a um, he's a profiler, and so he he goes and solves movie crimes. Which is it's actually a lot of fun. Like I love the show. I think it's. 
it's kind of creepy. It's well written. You know, for like a mainstream television show, I find it really good. All right. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll have to check it out. It seemed interesting, like the whole aspect that your dad was a serial killer, and now you're yeah. going to him for advice. You know, it's kind of Silence of the Lambs ish. Yeah, yeah. He visits his father in, in the in the the psych ward, and he kind of helps him solve crimes. But he also finds that there's like this missing piece of his life when he was a kid that he doesn't remember. And it slowly starts to unravel, and he just remembers this like woman in a box, and then tied like in the back seat of a car, and he like has like fragments of it in his memory. It's kind of interesting. So you find small pieces of that throughout the show. So that's kind of fascinating too. You know, and it's like what makes a serial killer? It's, like maybe it's you know something you start in your youth, or I don't know. It's just fascinating. Sounds so that's where I'm watching. Right. I'm terrible with names, so I had to look up Lizzie Kaplan because I knew that name, and I fucking love her. <laughs> I was like, she's a great actress. She was really good on um, Masters of Sex with uh, uh, she Cloverfield, baby. Cloverfield. Uh, Clover Cloverfield. Um, uh, she she had a, a role in uh, New Girl, which is a sitcom that I love, and I loved that. Yeah, and she was so, really good. So how's uh, Lizzie Kaplan? Is she cool, Michael? Yeah, she's cool. Um, I did a movie with her called um, Save the Date. It was her and Allison Brie that played sisters. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. She's great. Like she was a very great. She was very nice to work with. I have good things. She's to say. cool as fuck, and yeah, I mean, obviously, she's gorgeous too. So, <laughs> she's phenomenal in that show. I'm not gonna lie. You should really watch it. I'd be intrigued to see what you guys think about it. I will. I love anything Lizzie Kaplan does. I just like I said, I'm terrible with names, so I just have to look up names when I'm. I'm the same way too. Sometimes it's like you you kind of know them by face, and you're like, oh, that's their name. Cool. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm usually at that one person in that one movie is how I know him. I don't. I don't. <laughs> that one person. I love, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's that one person in Castle Rock. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> My friend's the uh, the second AC on uh, Castle Rock. From a oh, does, what's he say about it? What does he like the show or? Uh, she loves it. She thinks it's great. Yeah, it seems pretty chill. I, I'd love to work on it. But it shoots out. It doesn't shoot in LA. It shoots in. The first season was in like a. Yeah, like Rockport, Mass, and like in Maine, and shoots like are down like in those little areas. Yeah, and you're in Massachusetts, right? Because you said you're in Boston. Correct. Yep. You'll, you'll just have to go set and visit and say hi, hi everybody. We're like, hi, Lizzie Kaplan. I love you. Don't get kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's where we get phone calls. Farmer trying to run away from the cops. It's like yeah. I tried to make out with Lizzie. It didn't work. I'm trying to run. <laughs> Said I was a writer. She she she's really. I mean, she's an attractive woman, but it's such an unattractive role in Castle Rock. And like, I knew she was in the show, and I still was like, "Is that Lizzie Kaplan?" Like, it doesn't because like I said she plays the, the any character, and she, so she's very drab. And like her hair is like straight. She wears like baggy clothes. Right. So they definitely down. But I thought, but that's what I like. You know, I always tell people like that's what, one of the things I love about Charlize Theron is you have this amazingly gorgeous woman but then she ends up playing a, a role like eileen warnos and she was so unattractive but she was such so great as a role well that's what i was about to say like i love those kind of actresses that th they're clearly gorgeous but they don't sit there and take advantage of how gorgeous they are they're going to do these roles that make them look ugly as fuck and i and i respect yeah. that they're not sitting there trying to use their beauty to to do big things they're showing their acting skills and doing different shit like that like at least they're exactly which I share a birthday you know, with Charlize. So, what's up, girl? <laughs> you share a birthday with Charlize? That's awesome. Yeah, August 7th. <laughs> we share a birthday. 
I would say she has uh, her new movie opening up everywhere this weekend that she's nominated for at the Golden Globes. And, oh, Bombshell. Uh, yeah, Bombshell, which e- oh, you, you can't even tell it's her, too. Like, she no, she has she, makeup done. You don't even know it's her. No, she's so it's actually a good movie. I saw it uh, before I went out of town for the holidays, and I loved it. I thought it was a good movie, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was nominated. I mean, it has such a, a stellar cast. You're watching me like, holy shit, like everybody's in that movie. I mean, like everybody's in that movie. Yeah, I would say her, both her and uh, uh, Margot Robbie are nominated. Nice. Oh, yeah, the Golden Globes. What? what? I, I saw that uh, Cats was supposed to be a part of the award stuff, but they pulled that shit off real quick. As bad as that movie bombed, the movie Cats. Thank <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. They yeah. that off the even like the fucking award circuit. Yeah. Like, no. Universal bailed on that so quickly. Lost I'm trying to think of like, no. how, that, how that movie got made. Uh, one of those. Someone was really high when they saw the Broadway show, probably. They did terrible on the CGI and shit like that. And then they tried to drop it against Star Wars and shit like that. Yeah, you just. Mm-mm. But but I mean, it had an amazing cast. I mean, everybody was in it: Judy Dench, Idris Elba, Taylor Swift. I mean, it had such an massive, yeah. amazing cast. And people were just like, man, we don't see them at Skies. Everybody's due for a shit role, and apparently that was their shit role. It was the fucking cast. It's like, you, it's like you get, it's like with big studios, it's like you get four good movies, but you got to do just this other one. You know, it's like. It's always a contract to lose you a hundred million dollars. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know all about that. Say with your drinking. Yeah. I lose a lot of money with my drinking, but But do I really lose it? Cause I have a good time with my drinking. So I don't really lose money. I don't know. That's true. You really have a good time watching cats. That's really the question. (laughs) I haven't watched it. I'm pretty sure I'll rent it when it comes out just so I can shit on it. He's gonna watch it naked in his room, like (laughs) lathered in baby oil, watching cats. (laughs) Like this is the greatest movie ever. I don't know why I got shit on. (laughs) All right, well, why don't you uh, lead us off there next, Faye? Oh, on recent watches. Recent watches. Because I did have a lot of time off, so I have a lot of recent watches. I had my boy this week. Let's see. uh, I watched a little docu series on Netflix about Kevin Hart called "Don't Fuck This Up." That was that was good. If oh, you're a the, fan of Kevin Hart, you get a more, little more of uh, the non-comedic side of Kevin Hart, and you get a little more insight on like his everyday life and all that shit, and all the controversy behind him and the Academy Awards and him hosting and dropping out of hosting and all that stuff. I heard it, yeah, I heard it, and, and I heard reviews about that. What did you think of it? I, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm a big Kevin Hart fan, so I, it was fun just to see kind of behind the scenes of how he does shit. But it was also like just like a very interesting watch, even if you're not a fan. Okay, uh, it's it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, and then I and then I was demanded to see uh, to watch because uh, all the big craze on the internet right now is that show you on Netflix because they're oh yeah I haven't seen that yeah Liz is I think done with it she watched it all in like three I, days yeah I binge watched both seasons in like two days <laughs> wow good good show and I can see why the memes are popping up because this dude that's like supposed to be hiding is not hating and how they don't see him as a creepy stalker that locks people in plexiglass boxes is beyond me. So, I mean, good show. And, then I, and for some reason, I randomly watched She's Out of My League. Remember that movie? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Amanda yeah. Bynes. I like that movie. No, 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 not Amanda Bynes. She's out no, of no, my Jay League. No, no, Jay Burchill or whatever. Yeah, Jay oh, Burchill. Oh, Jay Burchill. Uh, I'm yeah. thinking about She's the Man. No, she's she's out of oh, league. Oh yeah, she's out with uh, dates the chick that's Alice way Eve. out of his league. Yeah, yeah, Alice Eve. 
So I watched that, you know, took notes to see how it is. Yeah, five, yeah, ten, you know. <laughs> you wanted to learn how to uh, manscape. Yeah, exactly. Ha- by having my friend shave my balls. Yeah, yeah. There you go, Jeez. Farmer. You know what's in store for you at Frightmare? Yeah. Fantastic. I'll have all yeah, that. If anybody needs their ball shaves, uh, you know, make sure you come up to whatever floor I'm on. <laughs> you know, grooming into whatever you want. You want a lightning bolt in your pubes? He'll shave it into there for you. I'm good at making Nike a... symbols. So, I mean, for me, a little switch. Yeah. And then I watched, uh, me and then I had my son for the week. So, we watched uh, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. And then we went to the theater and watched Jumanji Next Level. And I really enjoyed the new Jumanji. I mean, I don't think it was as good as Welcome to the Jungle, the last one they did. But this one was still very funny, and then the like the ending scene. Like if you look at the mid credit scene, they're leaving it wide open for a third one, which kind of caught my interest a little bit. So I'm definitely down for a third one on, on that little franchise, or the fourth one in the franchise, I would say. But yeah, it was good. And then me and my son watched Bumblebee. That was the first time I watched that. Oh, I love that movie. That was that was an upgrade to the last like three Transformer movies. Yes, we got agreed one hundred percent. Because Bumblebee was more just more like straight list it didn't try to confuse the fuck out of you it was a basic fucking storyline instead of like the last several transformers that they did try to do like several different storylines rolled up into one in the two and a half hour fucking michael bay fucking blow up extravaganza <laughs> so oh well you may not want to watch his new one on netflix <laughs> <laughs> I did. that was my next one me and my the son watched underground? Underground. yeah yeah I made them because I made the mistake because me and my son were going to Netflix and I was like, well, this looks like it's action packed. Let's watch this. And I'm watching it and there's like so many things that my son should not be watching. I'm like, shit. <laughs> His mom's going to fucking kill me. I mean, it, <laughs> if you like action packed movies and stuff like that, it, it had some cool shit in it. And Ryan Reynolds is always funny. Don't show your kid that though if he's below the age of 10, which my son isn't. So I think I barely escaped that. <laughs> And then I got my, and then I watched my uh, Vinegar Syndrome Black Friday sales that I finally got. They finally came in. So I watched, uh, I, I got three of them. I got uh, Death Row Game Show, which I just, uh, that title alone made me interested. And it's just, it's literally, they take these Death Row inmates and they put them on this over the top like game show to where you can live if you answer this question right. And then, you, and then they get it wrong. They're like, well, your family wants some money is if when we decapitate your head, if it lands up forward, your family wants $10,000. If it lands flat, then your family doesn't win shit. And oh, it, wow. it, it's, it's a weird, like, I think it was like late 80s, early 90s when it was made. But it's pretty interesting. Uh, and then uh, I watched a movie called uh, Let My Puppets Come. <laughs> which I talked about it kind of like last week. Cause I, I, I talked about a movie called the fuzz last week that had a bunch of puppets. This movie was filmed in 76 and it had nothing but puppets. It was straight up a comedic puppet porn. Like, uh, you literally watch puppets, give another puppets oral, you get money shots, you get penetration, you get all sorts of weird shit. And they're like, doing comedic routines. I didn't expect it to be the straight up like puppet porn that it did. I'm like, man, am I watching something weird that's going to get me made fun of? Cause I'm watching puppet porn. I thought it was supposed to just be like a puppet comedy. No, it was like a puppet porn, but it's funny. I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you should watch it. And then I watched, uh, hell comes to frog town starring Roddy Piper. That was my third vinegar syndrome title. That's a good one. It's about Roddy Piper and uh, knock up a bunch of chicks because they need to repopulate the earth 
and compete against these frog people. And yeah, that's exactly how it sounds. He ends up fighting people that look like frogs. He ends up hooking up with a bunch of chicks that he needs to procreate with. And it's good old Roddy Piper. <laughs> it was good. And then I, because uh, my son is not into horror films. So I tricked him and saying, hey, I have this superhero movie you need to watch called Brightburn. So <laughs> my son watched Brightburn. He liked it, but he had to turn away from like the jaw falling off the dude's face. He's like, oh, that's gross. And like a lot of the suspense building thing is like, I can't watch. I can't watch. It's so scary. But he ended up liking it. But you yeah. tricked him. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm going to get my son into horror one way or another. He's about to be 12 this month. It's about time for him to start really <laughs> learning some horror movies. So I figured that that's a nice uh, transition for him. Show him a Serbian film. No. I hate there that myself. That movie's a piece of shit. I hate that movie. Worst movie of the fucking decade. Or whenever it was fucking made. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, and that was my list of uh, recent watches. It was a good week. A lot of weird, interesting watches like I just listed off of. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Farmer, you want to go or you want me to go? I'll go because uh, my list is short and I'm sure your list is like 37 movies long. So no, Faye um, has the long list this week. I think I won this week. <laughs> Did I watch? I uh, actually, I also watched uh, she's out of my league. <laughs> what are that? I watched that? that two nights ago. Yeah, yeah. I love that fucking movie. It's fucking hilarious. The brother cracks me up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that guy. What was, what was the name of the fucking the hockey game they played in the basement where they would like smack the the pucks <laughs> each other's balls or whatever? I don't know, but that scene cracks me the fuck up. <laughs> it's so good. All right, so I, I watched that, and then for like the fifteenth time, I watched Tragedy Girls, which uh, came out in uh, twenty seventeen. A little Just, indie horror movie. Was it any I love good? Tragedy Girls. I love it, dude. I love that fucking movie. <laughs> was it, yeah. it? It's on one of my channel i want to say it's on hulu i think that's why i have it on i just haven't watched it yet i come across it yeah. all the time on the, the streaming services i just never stopped and watched it yet yeah no I, I dig it a lot shout out to raven banner shout out but yeah you know i, I like the uh, tragedy girls i liked it a lot um what else did i watch yeah you know this this might be out of character for me but i was watching uh too i was watching back-to-back seasons of uh, a rupaul's drag race <laughs> so random yeah, that was uh that was that's i was uh queuing up some old fucking dvds but yeah <laughs> like one when, when you watch a show like that farmer do you like you do you pick a favorite and do you get mad like if they get eliminated or if they get disrespected or something oh, like that absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> like i i have favorites okay i I've, I've worked with a couple drag queens but like uh i love uh adore don't know so that's like what's one of my my homies so you know you know i love the drag world We'll save that for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Definitely something worth exploring. <laughs> nice. Shout out to Thomas Decker because he and I drunkenly bonded over uh, drag queens. <laughs> <Did Mike you? laughs> that's funny. Oh, yeah. It was great. It was it was fantastic. Yeah, that's actually Thomas Decker. I met him at a uh, drag bar in, uh, in West Hollywood. It was at Hamburger Mary's. Yeah, we both went for uh, bingo. bingo? Like a <laughs> Did you play drag queen bingo? Oh yeah, of course I played drag queen bingo. That's my shit. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that shit's fun right there. You gotta do that. 
At least once when you're in Los Angeles, you got to come play drag queen bingo. We actually have something like that here. In, See, in I, I used to. Really? Yeah, it's mm. called Bitchy Bingo. Oh, My grandma used something? to attend it all the time before she passed. May she rest in peace. But yeah, the, it seemed like uh, every year there'd be a couple times to where uh, we'd all get together with my grandma and we'd go to Bitchy Bingo, a.k.a. Drag Queen Bingo. That's <laughs> awesome. And I'd have a good time with my grandma. The one only time I was ever allowed to drink in front of my grandma. <laughs> this is great. That's amazing. Yeah, That's awesome, uh, man. Cause I'm, I'm buddies with uh, Willem and Detox. So I used to go all like a, a, pretty much like every other Sunday for the most part. For a long time, I was going. But yeah, Drag Queen Bingo. It's the jam. It is. This is the shit. And then made my grandma feel so special. Oh, that's that's I call her out on that was it. That's what I watched. That was it. That was it. Right on. All right. That was it. Uh, that's all I that, watched. Yeah. That leaves me. Um, first one uh, is Spies in Disguise. Which is a new oh, anime? How is that? It's a new anime movie that just came out for Christmas. It's essentially a Black James Bond, right? As Will, Will Smith, Smith and uh, Tom Holland. Will Smith and uh, yeah, Tom Holland is like his uh, Q or M or whatever fucking letter he is. Um, but it, it was funny. Um, you know, it's not every day you see a super or a agent get turned into a pigeon. String, I've noticed ever since you got like the monthly thing for the movies, you'll literally go watch every fucking new release that comes out. Uh, yeah, might as well, right? It's free. <laughs> it's free. Right, free. You're like, yeah, you pay your monthly shit. You might as well take advantage of it, right? So, and and a lot of them, you know, when like when we see a certain group of movies, we get the uh, the digital copies for them for free. So, oh, they give you digital copies for it. Yeah. So, like, uh, right now we're doing um, Sony's package um the first one was uh charlie's angels which we didn't go see but we still got credit for it because i paid 52 cents just to get a ticket for it damn that broke your bank yeah <laughs> um then it was the new jumanji um then it's going to be bad boys uh three and bloodshot i can't wait for bad boys three i love the first yeah two. that looks good so um Highly recommend Spies in Disguise. It, it was a good, good, good show. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, next one, not good at all. Black Christmas. <laughs> For God's sakes, it was awful. <laughs> awful. I know Christy hated the shit out of it as well. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's fucking terrible. Well, because it's PG-13, right? Is that why? No, like... It could be PG thirteen all at once. Like it, it's just a flat out bad movie. Like they try to take a horror movie and turn it into a Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Oh, which, is that what? Okay, yeah. Which again, you know, it, Me Too, horrible things. You know, sucks. But it it doesn't belong on the screens. Like I hear they do like multiple sororities and multiple killers and all that shit. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a, essentially it's a. A frat house that is doing black magic, and it hypnotizes the um the fraternity brothers, and they go around killing sorority houses. Sounds that, horrible. That's the movie. Uh, <laughs> sounds fucking, fucking horrible. horrible. Sounds fucking horrible. <laughs> so because of that fucking abomination, I went and saw Richard Jewell, which was so much better. Oh, I want to see that. Which uh, Kathy Bates is nominated for supporting actress for the Golden Globes. Um, re- really solid movie. Um, it's about the guy that was accused of being the bomber 
at the mm-hmm. 96 uh, Atlanta Olympics. Mm-hmm. God, I can't wait so, to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Really solid cast. I'm kind of surprised more of them didn't get nominated, but you know, what can you do? Just like you said, have to wait for the Oscars. That's true. That's true. They're, they're right around the car too. Can yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also saw Six Underground, um, but you already talked about it, so you know. If you like shitty Michael Bay movies, give it a watch. It's not as, like over the top action bullshit. Yeah, like it, there's What's some random like Ryan Reynolds one liners. Yeah, it, it's very true. It, it, all style, no substance with Ryan Reynolds. I do like the whole magnet thing to where they push the button, everybody get magnetized into like yeah. the wall and shit. I thought that scene was cool as so, hell. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That's cool. So, and then uh, the last one I got is our very first dumpster fire of the year. The Grudge. <laughs> you did go watch it, okay? Yeah, because Liz wanted to go see it. I'm like, yeah, fuck it, it's free. Why not? Um, and I, I've started falling asleep. <laughs> like it's fucking horrible. It's so slow. Nothing interesting happens. Really? There, there was no point in them even making this. There was no point in it even being rated R. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, me personally, avoid it. Well, I won't probably go see it. I, I hear on the Jesus like I won't go see that one. Wh- which one? Uncut Gems, the new Adam Sandler one. Yeah, I, I heard that was good. Um, so I, I'm sure we'll see it eventually. Yeah, I was I, I was kind of avoiding it because, um. I think people just associate um, Adam Sandler with comedy, but my friend saw it, he says it was really good. So I was like, well, shit, and I should probably see it then. Yeah, I was saying this. Um, well, I'll figure what. This is his first dramatic role since what? Punch Drunk Love, I want to say. I, yeah, he's been doing a lot of the Netflix comedies. Or not Punch. What, what was the other one that he did? Um, I don't really know. Rain on Me, where his family died in the 9 11. Oh, I didn't even know he did that movie. Yeah, him and uh, Don Cheadle. Good luck, Chuck. <clears throat> What's well, kind of hard to do wrong against um, Don Cheadle? He's still amazing. Yeah, so. Huh. But I'm sure we'll see it eventually. Farmer, do you have a grinding gear segment this week? Farmer Leanne, Joe, Bob. Farmer, <laughs> everything froze. Say it again. Do you have a, Do you have a grinding gears segment this week? You know, my my, my gears I have not really been grinded. They they have not. <laughs> they have not. So I mean, I'm sure next week. <laughs> Still trying to come up with a new segment for myself because the overrated thing it's getting really too hard to find overrated shit that I think is overrated. But then, like last week, we ended up finding out that I, I agree with you that Jamie Lee's career is overrated, at least in the horror world. And she's had such a great career outside of horror as well. So that's the thing. Yeah, no shit on her, like on her actual career, but her horror career, I, I don't see her as like a scream queen. Like she started out that way, but then went off into action comedy and everything else that she fucking did. But 
I mean, did you see her in Knives Out? I actually liked Knives Out. It was so much better. Yeah, than she, I she was really good in Knives Out. My theater just got that this week. <laughs> just opened today. God, is, God, Kansas moves slow. My local theater, yeah, they're 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 uh, they'll get every single like uh, religious like Christian movie, but they won't get like horror movies because you know it's the devil. That's real. It's the devil around here. <laughs> I guess so. Thick Bible, thick Bible belt here in small town Kansas. I'm in a small town Kansas called El Dorado, and it's yeah, it's filled with rednecks and Christian Jesus lovers. So, did you grow up there? No, but I grew up in another small town just outside of this town called Augusta, Kansas, and it's pretty much the same thing. So yeah, so yeah, I grew up here, and yeah, too bad. I've been a sore thumb in this in this town for sure. Congratulations. I know. It's great. That's why I'm glad that the internet exists and I can talk to my friends from different states like I am now. <laughs> uh, I never said we were friends, like, though. Oh, we're, we're friends, buddy. Okay, we're totally friends. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just friends with Daryl. Right. Remember the, a couple years ago, I was waiting in line to Fuck get Darryl. into the convention? Fuck Daryl. I know, right? His fucking YouTube <laughs> channel sucks, man. I mean, God damn! I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get some text messages. I think after this, what the fuck? Why pulled me? <laughs> what the fuck? No, he's kind of embraced it by now. Like he just embraces everything, like Farmer says every week <laughs> against him. Yeah, no, actually, I think he likes it because he, he considers like, you guys friends. So that's his way of like he knows that's how you guys show. I think he embraces it because I think he realizes how negative he is. He's negative towards so much shit. That everybody else loves. Like I know he's just being honest, but damn, he's so negative towards so much shit that other people love. I know it's a pain in the butt. Bet yeah, wants us to suck some clownado dick, and we're not gonna do it. <laughs> we're not gonna do that. Oh, clownado! I don't. I don't know why he's so obsessed with that movie. I no, I don't. Thank care. you. Fuck I, went sake. I went to the screening with him. It was me and and um. And my nephew and Daryl, the three of us. And I, you know, I know I've known Eileen for years, so I went to go support her. And Daryl wanted to go, and he's like, "What do you think?" And I was like, "In my personal opinion, I said, for a movie called Clownado, I didn't hate it." Right? I, I Daryl, really? <laughs> like, it's like, right? You thought that's this, this movie's like the second coming of Christ. He just loves it. Thing, I'm yeah, tattooing his dick about this movie. My God, he's so fucking obsessed. He don't have enough room to put Clownado on his dick. That's so. well, you could put CW. You know, <laughs> CW just abbreviate. No, because then you get sued by CW. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely gonna get hear about it after this. <laughs> I didn't hate it. Don't don't you know? Um, I I guess before we get into our movies, let's talk about your stuff, Mike. Um, you have your own company, Horror House Media. Yeah, yeah my you, friend you, and I before, can we just say fuck the other movies? Like, I I'd rather just talk to Michael about his movies. But c- carry on. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can talk about whatever you guys want. I mean, I, I I set some time aside to sit and just chill with you guys and talk. We could talk about horror. Mostly, yeah, let's talk about horror. Yeah, so, like your films, they've won awards. Um, you, you just won what three, four awards for? Uh, Soundbite won just well overall. Soundbite <laughs> won eight awards last year, but it just won three awards at the last festival. Best director, our lead actress won, and then we won for best sound design. Which is kind of which is 
You should win for best sound design on a movie called Soundbite, I feel like. So thank you, Jesus, for figuring that one out for us. <laughs> you know, because it's like you don't want to walk in. Like, you have a movie called Soundbite, it doesn't win best sound. So but that was kind what, of fun. What awards have you personally, like, won with your name on it? Um, so that one, can you see that one on the top right there? Yeah, gotcha. Is I won for a screenplay. Um for a short film I did called Beauty of Death. Then the, the two middle ones right here, so the same script, the Beauty of Death one. Uh, sorry, my room. It's a start cleaning up. And then that's the one I just won for best short of a, of a film. And then I have another one over there underneath that poster for best director. And I, I won a few. Those are the only ones I have up right now. But <clears throat> I won a best director about three or four times. Best short for soundbite. Um, I won best screenplay at a festival once. I don't know. I just, I try to submit to myself as I can to get my work out there. Sometimes people actually like it. Well, since y'all really? listeners can't see, he, he does proudly display his awards. He doesn't take them for granted. He, he proudly displays them for sure. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. The audience can't see. I was showing it to you guys. <laughs> and then if you see, you can see right there, there's a, I just had a magazine article. So that, that right there, that poster. Next to my light, there's a poster with my name, and I was uh, oh. featured in Voyage LA magazine, and I have another article coming out um, in Authority magazine, I think in February. Well, I, I can. I'm glad you take pride in like the the positive reaction. How do you react to like negative reaction to shit that you do? You know, for a long time, I used to take it very seriously, um, and I think it really depends on what they say or like what particular thing they're commenting on, but. Um, I have to realize, and I had a comment on early, and Farmer could probably totally attest to this as well, is you can't let it bother you. You kind of just look at it, and I take what they say, and I go, okay, maybe there's some merit to like this portion of it, and maybe on the next movie I can learn from that. But, you know, it's like making movies is it's such a tough, tough endeavor, and there's so many moving parts to it. So it's like I can't please everybody. I I'm glad that they at least watched it. You know, like – for, for like on the stuff on my YouTube channel, it's like, you know, uh, a lot of people don't like, like, I'm always surprised if people just give it like a thumbs down. I'm like, at least tell me why you didn't like it. You know, right. I don't like to be engaged in a dialogue about why people don't like things, but nowadays it's just so easy to go, eh, I don't like it. You don't know why. So, but I can't let that bother me. At the end of the day, it's like, I'm doing what I love. And if you don't, it's okay if you don't like my work, but the people that love my work, love it. And they support me and, and push me to keep going forward. So I just focus on that. You know? So you'll take the negative reviews that actually have something to say, and you'll use that as constructive criticism. But then, of course, there are people that just want to shit on stuff because they can shit on stuff because it's the internet, and they're allowed to shit on stuff. You know? and, and here's the thing. It's like, you know, um, people just want to talk about the things they don't like, but I feel like intelligent people can sit there and explain to me why they don't like things. So if someone, if someone gives me a review and they're like, well, I don't like – this particular portion because of this, I respect that because then that's, it's we're like two, two intelligent people trying to like engage and talk about something that right. we both have a mutual love for, you know, you just because you don't like one of my movies doesn't mean you think I'm a horrible filmmaker. Right. Right. You just may not like, um, and I'm okay. I I'm okay with that. And I would imagine farmer, you're probably the same way. Like we, we can't make everybody happy. Oh yeah. Correct. Right. I, I used to get really butthurt if people didn't and like my shit. It's hey, it would bother to. the fuck out of me like a yeah. bad. <laughs> I can see but it doesn't stop me from not 
I'll still keep creating. Right. Yeah. Now, now it's just like fuel to the fire. It just yeah, helps you, yeah. helps you keep going, trying to make the next thing better and better, right? Yeah, and I think that's that's it's hard because some people can just tear. I've had people tear my shit apart, like to my face. They'll be like, "It's," and I'll have to sit there and be like, "Okay." And all I do is just like, "Okay," like thank you so much for taking the time to watch my movie because they took the time to watch it. So thank you, you know. And I'll be like, "I appreciate your your feedback. Maybe you know the next one will be better, and just move move, move on with your life, you know." Right. Out of yeah. out of the short films that you've done, have you had one that like you just felt like you, it, it just could have been better like all around? Have you had that uh, have you had that moment yet with anything? I have. There's been a couple uh that I didn't write but that I just directed and I feel like we either didn't have time or we didn't have the money or we just didn't have the resources or you know the people and the higher up had a different vision than I did and I feel like had I had I, I could have just delivered a movie. You know, it's interesting, and I, I'm going to say this, but in the film industry, um, before I was writing and directing all the time, I was I did a lot of script revising. And one of the things I was I was taught when I was a filmmaker was you are hired to make the movie that they want. You know, so it's like I can fight all these battles, but really at the end of the day, I'm making their movie, right? So if I'm hired by somebody to direct or write something, at the end of the day, I'm making something for them, right? So it, if I look at something and I'm like, God, I wish it could be better, at the end of the day, it's like I still fulfill a, a promise that I made to myself and to them, which is you, you brought me on this movie. So when it comes to stuff like on my particular YouTube channel, I'm happy with all of those because I had a lot more creative control. I had people who supported me. So um, – but I, I, I take pride in the fact that it may not have been the best thing, that, probably the best movie that I did, but I take pride in I, – I knew I did the best that I could. And I and there's always probably a few moments in every movie that I've done that I like. Maybe a specific shot or maybe like I got the best reaction from the um, actor or maybe there was a song I wanted to use and I was able to fight and win that one. You know, like there was a movie one time where um, the producer and I fought about like the ending song and – he wanted something a little more slow and sort of like droning on. And I wanted something really more fast paced. And so we just watched the ending of the movie with volume turned down. And then we just played the music and he's just like, okay, yeah, I see like why you want. So it's like, I try to take part in those small victories. I think in that sense, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. not totally. Yeah, okay. But I know you understand that farmer because we both do the same thing. Yes, absolutely. Right. I think I think for me, it's like I, I usually always have to battle the producer all the fucking time, especially yeah. like in post, like because they are like so far up my fucking ass that I can't even breathe. It's just like I, I, I understand the pain, man. <laughs> and sometimes you're like you're like torn between like, I know you put the money into it, but you hire me. So just let me do my damn vision. Right. But it's like then you have to realize you're like, there's a certain battles. You're like, I'm not going to win this one. I just don't want to give it any power. I'll fight for it somewhere else. And it's always a battle. And I think, yeah, it's a battle. I was saying, has there it ever is. been yeah. a fight that you really got overheated with? Cause like the last episode farmer talked about uh, a certain incident. Um, and he pretty much wanted to kill the man by the end of the time. Oh, the camera. I don't, I don't right now, if I have any thoughts, I mean, I had Did an you- incident where, Go ahead. Did you Christian bail on anyone? <laughs> I guess I should say. In my career, 
as a director and writer, as a filmmaker, yes. Um, but as a writer and director, not, not specifically. I try to keep my calm. I, I, I think over the years, just because I've been doing this for so long, I've kind of learned how to talk to people. And I think the idea is, is you have to be able to present it in a way where maybe the producer thought of it. You're like, wouldn't it be, be a cool idea if like this happened? You kind of make it look like it's their idea. And they're like, yeah, that's a good idea. You're like, oh, I'm so glad you thought of it. Like something, I guess, you know, you kind of have to find a way. You, you try I to give them like a boost in the right direction. That way they think it's their fucking idea. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, I, yeah, maybe. I can't think of any particular instance where like I lost my shit. Um, at least as a at least as a writer or director, as a script supervisor, all the time, all the time. But it's because it's because I'm an outside person. I'm looking in at something, and I'm like, that won't work. I know it won't work. I know I'm just a sports staff, but I want to help you. And I know, and then they're just like, eh, what do you know? You're not. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then you do it, and then you just have to sit back and kind of watch the shit show. I have seen that. I would say, do you like? Do you ever get advice from outside people, like? So like with Farmer and myself, he'll send me like scripts or something or posters or something. I give him notes back, but like, you know, maybe tweak this here or there or something. Like, you know, um, it's interesting because um, when I first started the industry as a writer and a director, I actually used to send a lot of, um, which you guys probably won't believe this knowing Daryl, but I used to send a lot of my um, movies to Daryl. And, you know, he hates everything. Yeah, he literally yeah. hates every fucking So I knew movie. if I made Daryl happy, I had a good movie. Like it was like that. And he'll, he'll tell you that. He's like, I'm a fucking tough critic, but um, oddly enough, Daryl's always is probably one of my biggest fans, and so he'll he he gives me feedback I know comes from the heart, and I'll and I'll take what he says and I go, okay, yeah, I should do that better, or okay, at least you like that, and but I do do that a lot, and I'm blessed because I do work in the industry, so and I'm sure Farmer has the same as we do have uh, people that we work with that we know who are probably further along than we are who can side of give us feedback like i know you're really good friends with felissa and i'm and i'm sure she probably gives feedback um i'm good friends with victor Miller who wrote um friday the 13th because he's one he's one, uh, my writing mentor you nice. know and so sometimes so sometimes i'll give him my idea and he, he and the one thing i love about victor is victor just does not he just doesn't care he's like michael this sucks i'm like oh, okay but he's intelligent enough to explain to me why he doesn't think it works you know and I think as artists, like, it's okay if you don't like something, but you got to explain to me why you don't like it because then I'll just won't change it, right? Because saying you don't like something, it does nothing. But if you tell me why it doesn't work and why you don't like it, I appreciate that and I can move on with it. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, no, it totally does. Like, like, a, in, like for me, like when I like in LA, like usually like my little network of people that I was working with that were kind of helping me along the way, it was my editor ed marks it was victor salva don't shoot me people but uh victor <laughs> salva uh from jeepers creepers and then uh, adam green those are kind of like my like trifecta of people that i would try to like bounce from you know just to, yeah and adam's great adam's great too yeah. but that's what I, I like and it's it's like they do the same thing and so they're objective because they're not involved in the project and they have your best interest in mind right so they can look at yeah. it sort of <clears throat> objectively but you also know they know they have like an eye so you give it to them and they're like, okay, I like this. I don't like this. Let's find out why this doesn't work. And, blah, and I like that. So I think, and I understand that like I can sit here all day long and talk about these people, but there's people like in the Midwest who probably don't have access to that. But I think what I tell those people is um, 
in the case of you, you four guys, it's like you guys are just four buds who enjoy horror movies, right? Right. So in this case, you'd be like, hey, Faye, like, um, um, I love the story. Like, what do you think? You get feedback as a friend and you can read it objectively and be like, I don't think it works or I think this is a really cool story or you definitely have a good beginning. And then so now it's just as as, as um, you, you can start giving me constructive. I'm trying to explain it in a way that makes sense. That's why. But like you're giving me construction feedback because you like horror, you you love the genre. You're my friend. You you want to see me succeed, right? So right. I think artists. It, it goes back to what we said earlier when people review your stuff. Like, again, I'm okay. People doesn't like my stuff, but I need people in my life that can read something or or watch something and be like, really give me constructive feedback. Well, that's what and I was talking about like the negative feedback stuff because like Michael and Farmer both like. I have respect for you guys because I can never do it because one, I'm going to take the negative feedback to heart. Like it's going to fucking make me better because I think I'll have something that's really cool. And then people are going to shit on it and it's going to break my heart. But then there's also when you do come down to make something that you created, you're going to have these other people that are making the film with you that are interject their own ideas and try to change shit up on you. And then it turns into something that you did not even visualize seeing. And it turns into kind of like a, like a piece of junk that you didn't want it to be. Well, and I, I'd be intrigued to see what farmers have too, but you kind of have to surround yourself. I think that's why a lot of people in, in the film industry kind of create like their own film family because you're just like, it doesn't matter what we make. We know we all did the best we can do. So that's why I think nine times out of 10, those movies do better because you're, there's no ego. It's a bunch of us are trying to do something fun and we enjoy what we do. And, and because that, because I, I have to be honest, I really think that you're right. I think negative criticism, it's tough. I mean, even though I, I, I've been doing this for so long and I've got negative feedback and I'm able to pass it, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying it sucked. You know, you still read that shit and you're like, God damn, these people suck. But you know what? I also know that pe- those people are out there and they watch your stuff and they comment on it and they're there. And you just have to be, you just have to be laser focused. And um, just focus on the – I read it once. And I go, okay, there's some stuff that makes sense, and I really just focus on the good stuff, and I just keep moving forward. It's, I'm not saying it's easy. It really isn't. Yeah. Well, also I, have to I think that's why Farmer trusts me because I'm not in the industry at all. Yeah. Not that I wouldn't love to be. I'm, I'm just not. But he knows <laughs> I'm going to be brutally honest with him. Like He'll send me posters. um, when he's doing color uh, s- schemes for scenes, he'll send me those scripts, and I'll, I'll fly out tell him, like, you know, change this or this or this. Like, he sent me um, one poster that was made up. I'm like, dude, this is a knockoff of this fucking movie. He's like, yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was on purpose, but yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, you're kind of an, you're an objective person, which is awesome. Yeah, but yeah. like, um, his, um. New one. He just did. He sent me um, a script. I think um, what was it? I think it was like during the summer when you first started it. I think. And yeah, it, I, was, it was the, the game board one, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I gave you notes on it, and then it kind of evolved into what you just filmed, which I'm Correct. excited to see the final product when done. So me, me fucking too. Yeah, it was overpriced. That's what that was. It was an over budgeted fucking movie. 
But uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> that's it's in post as a tomorrow when I drop yeah. it off to broke horror fan. But yeah, so that'll yes. be a. Uh, yeah. Congrats, man. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, just like some someone like me where, you know, my only experience is, you know, fucking film class in high school. But yeah. like I'm I'm such a big fan of film overall that I'm like even if it's not like the best idea, it's still like an idea thrown out there. Less well, thing with us, string is that we just do that film fam aspect. Like we don't know the whole yeah filmmaking aspect but we can give you that fan aspect and tell you what we like and what we don't like and give your opinion. Well, and that's why I think it's important. It's like we don't just make movies for other filmmakers, we make them for an audience. Right. Yeah. So, in in that sense farmers farmers lucky because you guys love the genre so much that you you come at it from that perspective. You're like as a horror fan, would I want to pay money to see this? Fuck yeah or fuck no or and these are why, you know. Yeah. And he walks away realizing that like you're literally the thing he's making this project for is for, for people who don't work in the industry. Right. People in the industry make movies. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But, you know, yeah. the thing is, it's like Daryl's always wanted to make movies, but he doesn't work in, in the film industry. And he, so he's got that kind of perspective. Me. Plus, he's family. So he, he knows how to tell it to me. And I'm, yeah. I know how to listen. Yeah. Well, I would say, well, even with like us, Mike, um, when Soundbite was first released, I watched it gave you my feedback on you know like man this was awesome and then yeah. uh you gave me the link for uh stalker i'm like oh my god this was so much better yeah and th- and that was good to, to know that i could grow and i it's so funny because i have friends that are like oh i like soundbite but stock was my favorite and love me that was okay and i'm like i'm fine with that because i i also know that i was making you know, Soundbite's one kind of movie, and Stalk is a different kind of movie, mm-hmm. and Love Me Not's a different kind of movie within the I genre. Th- I don't expect you guys to like each one the same. Yeah. And now you just You're- have um, Santa I watched that came out. And that, uh, Santa? Was, was that the Oh, name no, but I was trying to say what Farmer said, telling Eddie what he said. I said I watched all of them, and then I rewatched them. You're the best, Farmer. You're the best. <laughs> You're the best around. Nothing's going to hell keep you down. All right. <laughs> well, one thing I liked about um, the one thing I liked about Santa was uh, my friend has this like kind of s- like a small fan base on on YouTube, a little bit bigger than mine, um, a different style. But he, we kind of stumbled upon each other on set one time, and he's like, "I like what you do," so he will bring me on to write some of his projects. And he's got like a bigger audience and a different sort of area than I do, you know. So. That's why we did the lady, which is the one we did for um, Halloween that we partnered with that wise camera app because mm-hmm. we wanted to do something for Halloween. And then we did Santa. So like, even though I don't direct them, I like that while I'm on my other projects, I just send him one of these short scripts and he just goes off and shoots them. And then, you know, all of a sudden I get um, notices about it. You know, we people review. Oh, here's actually an interesting story. A friend of mine who I hadn't talked to in, randomly over a year messaged me on christmas no on new year's day and says hey my nephew loves horror and stumbled upon this like scary santa short that you wrote like what are the chances and i didn't talk to this guy in a year i didn't even send him the movie but his cousin i mean his little nephew found it online so i was like that makes me feel good because you know it's like i i'm even though i'm still working on my own projects i'm still working on projects you know and again my friend hits a different mark than i do so I like stuff like that. So, so there you go. I mean, so I, I do write, I do direct, I do write and direct. So, 
that's sort of what the Michael Cullen brand is. Well, you said earlier, if Daryl made a movie, I'm glad he hasn't, because I'm pretty sure that movie would be fucking trash. <laughs> Full of clowns. <laughs> Full of fucking clowns and garbage. <laughs> Michael, when when you're directing, do you even bother writing a shot list? I I do for the most part, you know. I try to write. I mean, sometimes it's bare. It's just like, may I just make sure I get my wide, make sure I get my mediums and close-ups. But I try to have some sort of idea how I want to build a scene, especially if I know the, the location. And I've directed things where, like, I walked into it, like, a couple days before blind, which I'm sure – and then there's times where I haven't. Right. But I – my friend and I had made up this quote a long time ago where um, every movie is made in pre-production and you go to set to execute. And it's like I've been working in film so long, and I know, that, like <clears> – <throat> there's going to always be something that's going to go wrong on set. So like, I yeah. think the best advice I could give is the more that you have planned, then the easier it is to sort of adapt that plan when you get, cause God forbid you lose a location or, you know, an actor gets sick or I mean, anything, anything could happen, you know? <clears throat> so if you have a plan, even a bare minimum one, it's a lot easier to adapt than just to show up and be like, what do you think we should do today? Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, yeah. Flying by your pants. Yeah. What about you? Now, like, I'm just at the point where, like, I'll just get, like, like I just know, like, I gotta get my, I gotta get my wide master, I gotta get my close ups. So then, like, I get into like the stuff I like. Like, I like to do Dutch angle shots. I like to do French overs. Like, I like to add in my, but I don't write it out anymore like I used to. Oh, okay. I mean, I think, I think because you and I, I do, we do it so frequently now that we kind of understand what we want in our head. Right, but but for me, what I do is I like to send it to my team, just so they know what I'm doing. Right, so I'd be like, because I, I this is so weird because I've been scripturizing for so long. So even when I anything I direct, I still break down like a scripturizer. So I always know every beat, every prop, every, and it's just because I've been doing that for 14 years, so my mind thinks like that. Right, you know, and so <clears throat> I break down a script, and then I start creating all of like the looks and the sort of like the world that I want. And then I try to do as, as shot list as much scenes as I can. So that way I, I, every day I come in, I'm like, this is kind of where I want and we can all kind of build it together. But I think that's only because I've been crew for so long and I know how helpful it is on my end. That's only why I do that. But I mean, it doesn't mean that I can't go in and just be like, we this, 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 and this, and this specifically. Right. Do you uh do you kind of like do you write out like uh like your like your lighting like what you want and you normally just like feel like a gaffer or a grip do you like just to like just tell them what you want and then just bring it to life or do you do like I, reference I kind of tell them what I want. Okay, do you, you write it down on the page the day you go to film or no? But I also think that we've probably talked about it in the production meeting like maybe we realize that this particular scene like I like the the use of maybe like colors and stuff like when we did love me not. We used um, we used a lot of purples because that was the color theme because it was a Valentine's Day movie, and then when the guy escapes and we're down the hall, we used blue, and that we t that we kind of decided on set. But um, I tried to let my director of photography and gaffer sort of figure those things out. But and I'm sure you know, I mean, you kind of have an idea of like how you want the vision of your movie to be, right? Right. So. It's again. It's one of those things. Like I don't probably write it on the page, but I do understand that like there's a specific look I, I think the movie should be. 
Like, yeah, like I, I really usually or... write it down. Like I'll always have like just reference photos to kind of like establish what I want, and I'll show like the D, like oh, this is like the look I want. Oh, I think that yeah, I do that a lot. That's perfect. Yeah. Because you show me like I want it to look like this, like this. How can I get this? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I want this look. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what I want. This. Yeah, give me the, give me this. So, even if we don't have the equipment, get me this. Yeah. So you, yeah. Kevin we'll Smith, it. <laughs> yeah. you, you just look at your camera guys like, huh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You know, it's I I've worked with all kinds of directors, and I I understand that like there's there's no specific way to do it that's correct or incorrect. It's just what works for you. Preference, right? yeah. But I'm just a huge collaborator, so. I communicate everything to everybody. I, I, I think I just, like, again, I've been crew for so long. I, I just think that there's always a breakdown in communication for every department. So I just tell everybody everything. This is what we're doing, and let's make it happen. So that's I'm just different like that. Well, I mean, that's, I'm that's an overachiever. Be, like, super transparent. Like, absolutely. Yeah, but farm, I think I'm just an overachiever. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, you strive for perfection. And and with that, I'm going to ask you a question. Out of all your material, what do you think is the best? Out of all my movies? Oh my Out of all your movies, what do you think is the best? Because I, I, I know what I think of yours is the best. <laughs> and I know what I like the least. So I'm interested to hear what you like the best. <laughs> you can't put me on the spot. Um, wow. Uh, wish I could have this question in advance. That's a hard question because it's like asking which one of your children. Right, well, you love we, the most. We, can, we can edit this. We'll we'll edit all this 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 confusion out. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> we um, don't I, although, out. <laughs> no, I it's okay. I, I do feel like it's like telling you like which one of your children you like best. Um I do I don't think I think Soundbite's one of my stronger movies because um Soundbite to me was I started to, I think really believe in myself as a, as a filmmaker and I wanted to take a chance. Uh, so I do think it's one of my more favorite and stronger movies, but I, I really like love me not because it, it was a challenging piece in the fact that this woman is talking for 10 minutes around this table of like six dead people and a guy to a chair. And I, I think that's one of my more challenging pieces. So I think right now, love me not is one of my favorite just because as a filmmaker in the horror, at least a horror genre, it challenged me. If that makes sense, I'm probably gonna get a lot of slack for that. By the way, <laughs> no, no, it, it, it definitely, it definitely makes sense. No, I, I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think mean, I, my favorite of all of them is still Stalker. I think, yeah, you, it's so funny because I, um, you met Ryan Kusick from I, Horror right every year at yeah. TFW. Mm-hmm. That's his favorite one too. He loves that movie because you know why? Because that's kind of like our ode to Halloween. Yeah. yeah, but then for for me, it was all about that twist at the end that I didn't. Oh yeah, expect. well I like to have those twists. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we uh, sometimes this year looking to shoot. Uh, we have a a prequel to that movie. Yeah, you were a telling prequel. me about that. Yeah. So. Um, that's my goal for 2020 is to shoot a little more. Um, I got really busy in other projects, and so we kind of put a a cease on our house for now, and then we're gonna pick it up again this year. It's just, you know, I got lucky and I was, I was spending a lot of time making other people's movies. So I, I didn't have to work on my own. Not a bad thing, by the way, not a bad thing at all. It's right. a, you, you're staying in the game. It's never a bad thing. No Put those connections, homie. Yep. And now <laughs> the connections. <laughs> well, it also, I think 
Horror House was one of those things where um, people started really seeing me as as I was no longer a script supervisor. I, people are like, okay, Mike, maybe Michael does know how to make movies. Maybe he does know how to write. Maybe he does know how to tell a story. And I had to show people that I could do that because a lot of my earlier work, um, we kind of just grabbed a camera and had fun with it, you know. And I think in my earlier stuff that shows, right? But at least you could see that I had potential. And I think the now growth people are seeing <laughs> exactly. And I think um, the end of 2018 when we first launched Horror House, people started realizing, oh, okay, Michael's here to play, like. I was another person that came to the table with something to say and the horror movie started to like it. And then I started getting recognition. I was like, wait, oh my, this is so cool. Like I've worked for this for so long and now the horror community is actually paying attention. And I was so grateful to that, you know, and I'm always, I will always try to remain as humble as I can because, um, I, I work so hard and it's like this, I think the second you start taking your audience for granted, they know that. You have to stay humble. Yeah. If you don't stay humble. You're fucked. In my opinion, Dude, I'm not going to dive thing. too deep into into my thoughts, but I, I will say overview wise, I will say that out of all the shorts, I would say Soundbite to me was the like that's my favorite. I think that's the best one. I Thank think you. stock to me is what I think that's where you grew as a filmmaker. Oh wow! Thank you. Because I, I think that, I think that your shot selection improved drastically from Soundbite. If you think about it, like like you had a lot more creative shots and it was yeah. it, it, just, like, it, it was like pacing was better it was like it was quicker and like it just you know, overall like you, you could just see the growth so for me it's like a, like sound bites my favorite because i love the sound design and all that but i think stock yeah. is what is uh, like that i think that's like your that's i am a, i am a filmmaker like short that really means a lot man thank you and, and stock actually is going to be in a festival in february actually stock and love me not or in this festival coming up in February that soundbite won last year. So I'm excited about showing the audience a different side of who Michael Coulomb is. You know, yeah, that's awesome. And what's interesting is, is 2019 was interesting because in the summer I shot a, a, a web series that was tennis and that was yeah, kind of fun was, because it was funny. Yeah. And I, my friend was like, do you want to direct this? And I was like, I mean, sure. I, it was nice to do something that wasn't horror. So I could show people that I was, like you know, we were on set and I was like, nobody's dying. Like there's no blood. How come we're outside in the light? Like what the fuck's going on here? You know, chilling with was, tennis balls. <laughs> I know. I was like, and I, I shot with a different, I shot with this DP. I, I believe he shoots a lot with Hoonigan. And so he's, he shoots a lot of like race cars and motorcycles. And so when we did a lot of the tennis sequences. It was really great. He just kind of grabbed the camera and ran around them. I was just shooting amazing shit, which I was so grateful for. And then I ended the year shooting. I was directing a short, I did like a, uh, a Christmas movie. I've never done a Christmas movie. That was so much fucking fun. You know, I mean, I guess we did Santa, so I can't, I can't, I guess I did Christmas movies, but Santa, I only wrote. I, um, was it an actual Christmas movie though? Or was it just like displayed as a Christmas movie? Like last I week mean, I talked about the new into the dark movie, um, nasty piece of work where it was okay. their, it was their Christmas movie. But the only reason it was Christmas because it was during that time setting. Other than that, it had nothing to do with it. Oh no, this was an actual Christmas. It was it was called Christmas Eve. It wasn't even horror. Oh, right. yeah, I did one. I directed Christmas Eve, and then I wrote Santa, which was a horror movie. And it was kind of nice to be able to have both in the same month. I'm like, yes, end of the year strong. 
<laughs> and well, one but, thing I about Santa was um, they shot it out in Paris, California, which is on the other side of Riverside. And my, my family's first because that's where I grew up. And so I was able to pick up my dad, and my dad got to go to set and, and visit. And that was the first time he'd been on set of a movie that I wrote, so that was kind of nice. Nice. Well, I just have a quick question before we continue on to like the movies or whatever, Michael. Uh, like you've met some names here and there and stuff like that. Was there ever a name you were excited to meet and they ended up being disappointing? <sighs> I don't know if I could say that without getting in trouble. Um, oh, don't worry. Nobody's listening anyway. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, should I answer this question? Farmer, what, what, what do you think? <clears throat> Farmer's always on. He thinks be diplomatic. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't air out the name. You can tell us the name, and then we'll fable just edit it out. <laughs> we'll put a beep. Yeah, out, or you can just, or you can give us without a name, but just say. I would say you can leave it as a no comment. I will. I. Uh, you can say there's say a name that's familiar, but you don't say it, and then just tell us how you really feel about that person. <laughs> I, I will tell you that. Um, more often than not, I've met bigger people that I've been excited about and I've been very happy, but there's been a couple of times where I've worked with people and I'm just like, ah, I'm so frustrated, but I, I, I think what it is, is uh, I'm sorry. I can't give names. I, you know, I got it. What I have found is I think it's the people who think they be, should be farther along and they aren't. Maybe it's, gotcha. yeah, one of the things that I feel is so frustrating in this industry is people who have ego. And I think once you start having ego, it stands in your way. So there's a lot of people who maybe get some mock of success. It kind of goes to their head, and then they become they become difficult to work with because they themselves put this expectation on them that like doesn't like I like I'm a big star now. They become a diva. Like it's that whole diva sense. And right. I worked with some people like that, and it's disappointing because you're like, wow, really? Like, and people in this industry talk. And I think that's frustrating. Oh, I believe it's, it. Yeah, you know, it's I don't like. I personally don't expect to make everybody happy, but I prefer more people to say nice things about me than mean things. That's why like cons scare me. Like there'll be a name that I'll be super excited to meet, and then I go meet that person. They're a fucking douche, and it's very upsetting. So now there's like names out there that I really like to meet, but I'm also like, no, I don't want to meet because I'm afraid they're going to be douchebags. Like I'm a huge, huge, huge Kevin Smith fan, but I'm terrified to meet him. I'm afraid he's going to be a dick. Oh, I don't. I've never heard anything good or bad about. I don't know the guy, but I well, think I'll Con- drop a name because I just don't give a fuck. So, okay. um, I, I would say because I'll never work with this guy again. But I would say the the probably one of the biggest dick bags I ever worked with on set was probably C. Thomas Howell. <laughs> oh no, really? What were them on? Uh, I was on a I was on a shitty indie. It was called Lazarus Rising. It was him. It was Eric Roberts. Uh, it was my buddy That's Mike Faff, and we Robert. shot at some UFC gym out in like Valencia, and it was just the fucking worst. But like he was just he was just not like a good team player. <laughs> okay, <I'm> really? Like, <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm I see. He, he just sat in his fucking little green Mustang, and then just did. <laughs> oh, I can I I will say one name. Fucking pony boy. Car. Fucking What'd pony boy from the Outsiders. See Thomas Hell, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> ET, yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Not too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. Nothing gold can stay, Pony Boy. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I did work with. Oh, I'm going to say a name, but this isn't a secret, so I don't. I'm not giving anything away. But I did actually. 
uh, work on a movie once, and it one of the actors was actually a well-known director playing an actor, and it was um, uh, John Landis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and John Landis is just not he's just not a nice guy. Like no, he's not a nice he just guy. Just is not a nice guy. That's the only <laughs> one I would say. But it's also not a secret. I mean, I think people most people know that he's uh, unanimously I've heard that, yeah. It's yeah. my my I, my friend was his first AD on like Animal House on like a three other fucking movies for him. Um especially that one where all those kids got killed with the with the helicopter fucking oh, like oh, Twilight Zone. Uh, yeah. The Twilight Zone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was the first AD on that too, and he just said Landis is like he's a, just an awful person, awful human. So yeah, I mean, fuck Landis. So he's <laughs> he's probably the one, and I was, you know, I, kind of, I get, I think in the back of my head, I kind of knew that, um, but I was still really excited. I mean, he's done like so many movies I grew up with, and you know, he's got his body of work is insane. And then I met him, and I was like, okay, American well, Werewolf. I met him. Yeah. yeah. But you know what I what I like about that in. Talking, going back, how do you feel about like with negative reviews? One thing I like about meeting negative people is I look at them and I go, "You're exactly what I don't want to be." Right. And it's like in that moment, I'm so grateful that I get that. I'm like, now I know exactly what not to do the next time I work with somebody. It's like I don't want to be that guy. Does feel when I look at Farmer? I don't want to be as negative as that fuck. (laughs) (laughs) On the positive, here's here's the compliment for an actor. I would say out of everyone I've ever worked with, I would say the most pleasant and the most amazing person I've ever worked with was David Naughton, American Werewolf in London. The werewolf I've guy. never worked with him. I, I worked with him and he was he was the fucking kindest guy. Like he was in like that movie was fantastic, but like no yeah. ego, no nothing. Like he was just he was an awesome dude. So like I I love that man. You know, I did a move I worked one time with Pierce Brosnan. Amazing. Like and he took the time to like get to know your name and he knows what everybody does. And I was so grateful for that because, you know, he, he kind of treated me as a peer and I was so grateful for that. Probably one of the nicest people I've ever worked with. Um, actualized was, the shit, huh? <laughs> yeah. Hugo weaving was probably one of the best people I ever worked with. Hugo. huh? Yeah. It was early on in my career and he had just done the first transformers. It, it was just about to come out. That's how long ago I worked with him and we we're doing, they had shot this movie in Massachusetts. I'm sorry, in I think it was North Carolina. I apologize. And they were doing reshoots here in LA, so I had the reshoots for four days. And um, he, I, one kinder. I mean, he just, he all he did was sit with the crew and talked and joked with them. He knew everybody by name. He, I mean, I couldn't. I mean, there's been so many other great ones, but it's just like he's done like. You know, he did Lord of the Rings, and he's done like Transformers, he did The Matrix, he's done all these huge roles, right? And he was just so down and chill. It's like you would have never known he did those movies, right? He's like the kind of guy you could go out and have a beer with and just like, be totally chill. So that's my one story that I think of good people. Right on. Does that does that answer the question? Faye? That's 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 yeah. a good that's a good one. Well, we'll accept that. Thank you. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, really good. I've had one good, one bad. <laughs> he's met his quota guys he's met yeah. his quota oh you know I, I want people to think that i talk smack about people it's really not that it's you know and what i wanted to say to to um uh Faye about conventions is it's always it's hit or miss i think with conventions because it's they're so overwhelming i think people just get like are constantly barred with, with people looking for signatures it's they're long days. It's exhausting. Or you might just meet them at the wrong time. Like they're where they're. Yeah, and I think. I, I mean, I, I like to say that sometimes you meet people just like they could be having a bad day, you know. Right. 
or they could just it's, be douchebags. <laughs> that's why I like. That's why I like about TFW is because nine times out of ten, out of the after the convention, they all go down to the bar, right? right. And they're just shooting the shit with them, and then you like kind of see how real and chill they are. You know, that's the big thing with Tom Savini. He's very hit and miss with people. Either people either have nothing but shit to talk about him, or they think he's a great guy. Apparently, it just depends on when you catch him. My first experience with Tom Savini was horrible, just mm-hmm. the worst experience. And then ever since then, he's been pretty, he's been nice. See, yeah, you just yeah. Gotta- that was it. That's yeah. the way it was with me. The first time I met him, he, he just wasn't good. And then I met him two more times, and he was great. Both those. Yeah, it, you know, and so and I learned that it's like, and that's the thing is like having a bad day or conventions are long and exhausting. I mean, we, we, we're tired and exhausted. It's the same way. They got to go, you know, then they're rushed off to some sort of like, they got to go to a meet and greet and then they got to rush off and take pictures and then they got to go sit up panel. And they got to come back in more time. Like I get it. It's long and exhausting for them. And sometimes you just, at the end of the day, they've just fucking had it. And they're just like, they got to do it all again tomorrow. And then they got to, you know, so I get, that's why I feel like conventions are kind of hit or miss. Well, that's you why know. the best time at a convention is at the, is at the bar. That's the best time to talk to people. They'll sit yeah. there. And, I mean, yeah. how many of you have we all just at the bar to just be fucking chilling with those people? Like, that's yeah. how we met Robert England last year. Oh, God damn, yeah. He, <laughs> I got hammered with Robert England last year, and it was amazing. Which, uh, Forget it. <laughs> he was. That was one of my best. Because Nightmare on Elm Street is my favorite horror movie. You know, and I always loved Freddy Krueger. And then once he found out I was a filmmaker... And and that I do it for a living. It was just like he was like laser focused for like twenty minutes. We just talked about like the the process of filmmaking, and mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my god! Like right in this moment, like Robert England and I were totally equal. You know, I wasn't a fanboy, and he wasn't a an actor. We were just two people that talked about film. That was such a beautiful moment for well, me. That's why I don't remember a whole lot of the conversation that we had together. Because one, I was drunk. Too is because he was like laser focused on all that shit that I was asking. I'm like, damn, okay, cool. You're you're, you're interested in me. I don't know why, but that's cool. And <laughs> you start bullshitting about different things. I mean, Two hours later, I'm hammering. I'm like, all right, somebody else step in. I'm fucking done. Well, you know, and I think that's what's so cool about him is he's just so chill and laid back. Like he understands that the people that are there are the ones that keep him going. And he knows he's making somebody's life by just sitting there and just talking to him. Yeah. Like something You're that, that people in there. Yeah. Oh, Gizmo. Yeah, he's a fucking fan favorite. It's annoying. Oh, <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> no, but I think there's something about that. It's like you know, you. I know people get frustrated with the fans, and I know sometimes fans can be very uh, in you know obtrusive with it. But truthfully, it's like those are the people that make you. Like you have to give the, that to the fans because they're the ones that are constantly. In the case of Robert England, like those people stand in, in his lines for two, three hours. And pay yeah. a lot of money to meet him for thirty seconds, or, or seven base hours. case seven hours. Yeah, I was yeah. seven hours <laughs> to get that's a thirty insane. second autograph from. That's why I'm happy that I got to hang out with him on the bar because otherwise I'd have been pissed off about waiting seven hours for a thirty second conversation. But yeah. I got to drink with him the night before at the bar, so I don't regret it at all. But I, but I think he knows it. I think, and I think he I kind of like he wouldn't be where he is if it wasn't for the fans. Exactly. And obviously he's a talker. He likes to talk to everybody, and he likes to talk. Oh yeah, he's definitely very chatty, Kathy. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Heather Lane came not so much. She was like, "I'm out," because she was sitting there too at the, at the bar. She's like, "Oh, I'm out later." Who is it? Heather Lane Camp. <laughs> oh, I've met her once years ago, and she was great. But yeah, I haven't. I haven't really talked to her since then. <laughs> um, 
So do we have to talk about movies or we're just going to talk about um, we'll, we'll just talk about one because um, I'm looking at the time now. Um, but it's one that you worked on, um, Monster Project. Oh, Monster Project. I remember that movie very well. I was at your script supervisor on it, so it's kind of why I picked it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it was easy to find. I watched the credits to make sure your name popped up, and there was your name. I was like, oh, there's Michael Colombo. You're like, I know that <laughs> motherfucker. That's fuck Daryl's cousin, right there. Yeah, because supervisor. Yeah, yeah, because I remember getting back from the first Frightmare that we had met, and it was on Netflix at the time. I was watching, and I'm like, dude, this is a really good movie. It's like. I, I was on the crew. I'm like, well, fuck, now I'm buying it. I do remember having this conversation, yes. So, And I, I watch it at least once a year around Halloween. Um, you know, it's I think it's one, it, it, it's one of those few found footage independent films I think that's actually pretty good. Yeah, like it doesn't like go overboard. It doesn't try to do too much. Well, it was such a fascinating concept. I remember reading the script about these, this guy wanted to do a monster project, and then you find out that like they're actually all all real monsters. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was a very tough movie to shoot, even from a script measure, because that house um, is old and, and kind of decrepit, falling apart anyways, and so it was very tough to film in because it was dirty and falling apart. And that movie was tough because I think we shot we shot for like a month. But it was all night shoot. So it was like Monday to Friday, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. every freaking night. Right? And it was just so tough because, you, you know, it's like, I mean, you go five days on it and then you, like, have a weekend off. And then you, you kind of get into a normal schedule and you have to go back in the nights. So it made it tough. Um, one cool thing about that movie is that's one of the – that was the first time my father came to visit me on a movie set. And the day he came – was that they were filming when the werewolf jumps out the window. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's like, holy shit, my first time on set, and we get to do this whole stunt. So that was kind of cool. And, you know, they shoot it. They shoot where the stunt guy was kind of like falling out of the window with the camera. Right? Yeah. And then they had to do the actual, like, thing. Then they had to do the actual werewolf jumping so they could cut the two together kind of thing. Or they, it's all at one time. It was So that was kind of a... A very stunt heavy thing because you know, like the demon flies here, and then like the doors pop off. So, I mean, it was just it was a tough shoot, but it was also a lot of fun, you know, in that sense. So, that's and, and found footage is such an interesting aspect, especially from a script advisor, because um, you, you can't really watch the take because it, you know, in the camera's kind of like 360, you know, the actor can run with it. And so, like, you have to watch playback, make sure everything's the same, the room, see where everything's at, and you kind of have to go around the corner again and hide. Whereas, when I, when, as a scripture, when I do a movie, I watch the monitor and check everything. Right? Yeah. So, you don't always have that particular. It's one of the challenges I found footage. I've done, I've scripturized two or three of them now, and it's always the same challenge because. I was say, do you guys mount the cameras on them like little GoPros, or is the camera guy running with them? It, I think it kind of depends on the shot, right? Um, so in the case of like some found footage, as, there are certain shots where like maybe you'll see the, the character in the mirror. That's usually the character holding the camera. I was about to say that shot of the dude like standing in front of the mirror and looking up with the GoPro on his head and then looking down in the sink. Yeah. So, and I'm pretty sure that was the camera that was on his head, wasn't it? 
in that case, yeah. But usually what it is is because you want to get the best shot possible is the, the director of photography will hold the camera and the actors usually just neck to them. Right. So that and then the, the actor just talk to the camera like the DP holding it, you know. So that, that obnoxious dude standing next to him doing that obnoxious commentary that he was doing throughout the movie. <laughs> right. Exactly. He's just next to him. Yeah. Right. So the actor can still talk to them, but you the audience believes that the, the character's holding the camera right. when they're not and now in the case of the monster project though, they had sometimes they would have other cameras that were displaying as well. So you'd have one person holding the camera, you'd have two because remember they were interviewing monsters. Right. So yeah. it, in that case, the, the, the actor would have to hold the camera or in that case, in that case, what they would do is they would also, maybe he wasn't recording at that time. Right. And they would just go back and probably do some shots with his camp with a DP on the camera. So again, it depends on what the shot is and how intricate it is. And I think so. But it was a fun movie. It turned out really well. I'm happy with it. I'm glad I got to be part of it. I, was I actually missed. I actually missed the screening because at the time they had the screening of that movie. Um, who is who released that one? It was, um, do you remember the name of the company that released it? It'll kind of mean a second. Um, um but that, I could pull it out. That particular company was having the screening of that movie in Los Angeles. And I was in Massachusetts working on another one of their movies, which was the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Oh, okay. So I, I, I missed that. I missed the, um, the premiere of the movie. It's epic, epic pictures, epic pictures. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that was my first, <laughs> I want to say my first movie was epic. And then I was work, when they finally had the premiere of it, I was at a different working on one of their other movies. So I've worked with, I've worked with epic a few times. So, I was like, Yvonne Zima is easily the hottest monster ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, yeah, she was the vampire. I like yeah. the contacts. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it because there was, I feel like there's something for everyone. Like, like the creepy demon, you have the hot vampire, like the really cool, like muscular type werewolf. And I think the werewolf costume was really awesome. Right. You know, yeah, I was. I, I liked how it it was going from costume to CG. Like it wasn't just all CG. Like when he's chasing, um, I, I want to say it was Jamal through the house or something. Jamal after was the, the lead character. Yeah. After the transformation, it you could tell it was someone in a suit, but the transformation itself was uh, CG, and yeah, it wasn't horrible had, CG for the budget that you guys had. You know, and it, what's what's great about it is because. The particular actor, he had four, three maybe, different variations of like, of like his build. So they would build it, you know. They, they I, I want to say, if I remember correctly, they almost shot that movie in order, just because of that, like his transformation, you know. Um, but no, I mean, I think it was just CGI enhanced. That most of it was practical, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and I, I like that you don't just flat out call him a werewolf; you call him a skinwalker. I think oh, yeah, it makes it, it, cause it, it, it brings out the, um, the native folklore, that which is, I think that they really want it to be more that to be more important. And I, I liked be, that about that too. And then I, I liked with, um, was it Shiori? Um, Oh, I think the, it was Shiori. I think it was what it Shiori. Is. Uh, the demon. I, I, we did that movie a few years ago, but I, Shiori, I think was her name. I, I like that whenever the camera would, um, like scramble 
um, the demon's face would pop up on her. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, it was the guy that the director of photography was also the editor. Phil. Phil was uh, just a really cool ass motherfucker. I like working with him. He's really good friends with the director Vincent, um, and I've known him for a while. So you know, it was it was a it was a fun labor of love. And they delivered a good movie, and you know, to do to be able to do a um a found footage film like that on like next to nothing, I think, uh, you know, it's a good testament to what what passion can do. I think. I was at we, so normally with films you do storyboards with found footage. Do they even bother, or do they just do a shot list like you normally? Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm I'm sorry if I don't remember specifically this particular aspect of the movie i think you can have a storyboard and an idea because in order to make it work and be effective you kind of have to know how you want this story to flow in a sense like i need you to like run here take two steps and look back because you know there's that scene where like the the um when jamal's running technically and then like um the the skinwalker's coming through the window and he falls down on the floor and runs after him that had to be choreographed yeah, because what between then, um, was it the girl slams the door and he busts through the door? Yeah, it all had to be quick. In fact, I think I remember. I don't think that was even Jamal. I think it was Phil at the time. Like he knew he had to run two steps, look back, and make sure that you saw the werewolf, and they go, "Oh shit!" You know, run away and stuff like that. So that you can't just walk on set and and know that. Like you have to have a plan, a shot list, and sort of storyboards because. There, it's just too intricate in a movie like that to not have a plan. So, and I remember I did a mo- another movie, another found footage movie called, oh my God, I'm so bad, Followed, I think. I've done something movies, Followed. And same thing, they had a plan. And that one took place in a hotel. So, you know, yeah. So, mm-hmm. that's all I have for you. Yeah, no, because I, I like, like now watching all these found footage movies because some I've watched after and then some I've watched um, before. So like okay. when I first started watching this, it was very much um, digging up the marrows type for me where yeah. they're going, trying to find these monsters, interviewing them. But then the ending of it kind of turned into hell house um, with the goat and um, the yeah. pagan worships and everything. Yeah, and that was like, a sort of interesting, interesting sort of turn of events, which I, I thought was kind of cool. So, I, I like the movie. I'm glad you. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you watched it. And, you know, it's. I'm glad I could be here to talk about it. So. Yeah, I was. I, I like it because it's different from the normal found footage movies, like Paranormal Activity. They just sent. They set the camera in a corner somewhere. That was it. Yeah. Um, with. Um, Cloverfield, you know, it's always them running away. So it's like the shaking cam that like Blair Witch. And that can be, yeah. Well, with found footage, I think nowadays you've got to find a way to make it feel different than the 37 other found footage films before it. You know. And I think the Monster Project, because like I said, it was found footage, but they also shot, like during the interviews, they had other cameras going. So you could cut to those angles. You could cut to the one of like the person looking at the camera by being interviewed. You could, you know, have Jamal off in the corner shooting. So you he moves back and forth, so you kind of get the whole scene. They have another person, you know, interviewing. You can see the person talking to the person being interviewed, so that's kind of cool, you know. So you're still watching a movie, but you also see some found footage kind of stuff is kind of fun, too. 
You know, and then I think they also, if I remember correctly, and I'm, I think they also had some security cam footage too, right? Maybe. Uh, I don't think so. Well, uh, but you know, what I'm saying like some sometimes they'll do they'll do that in movies too, where they'll cut away to like some sort of security. So that way you you feel like you're still getting different angles, even though it's a found footage type thing. Yeah. So and that and that could work. And that's what I tell people about found footage nowadays. It's like it's got to feel like it's different because we've all seen so much found footage. And it's it could feel the same. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you okay. want to make sure there's a unique twist to it in some way. A you reason so funny, to do it. I'd love to do a found footage film. I've been wanting to do one for a horror house. And every time I bring it up, people go, uh, really? You want to do found footage? Um, and I said, you know, for a short, maybe if we do it right, it could probably, possibly, then we've had some ideas. But I think right now, it's just one of those things. It's just like, needs to be played out for a bit, you know, and just well, like let it. I mean, if the story is right, it could work. Like, I think because of the popularity of Hell House, found footage has kind of like rejuvenated, but like no one's I making like Hell House. So yeah. like they, they had the three films that are very popular and now they're going to go do a TV show. So it, you know, if, if it's something that's unique and different, why not take a shot with it? Yeah, exactly true. No, I 100% agree with that. So, so there oh. you go. Oh, right on. Well, I, I gave Project Monster a 6.5. <laughs> nice. That's a, you know, like, like it was entertaining. You know, it was cool. And I love me some found footage movies. Overall, I gave it a 6.5. It was cool. What about you, Brian? Farmer, what do you guys think? I gave it a 5. Interesting. Okay. In the middle, honey. <laughs> I am solid. I'd like it. I didn't hate it. Normally, I... well, don't you don't hold on, robot dick. Okay. But you usually don't like that type of like you don't usually don't like found footage, though, right? Yeah, that's that's usually not in my wheelhouse. No. See, I'm a found footage guy. So I yeah, like I I don't mind found footage. Like I know they're um. What was the one I told you to watch fake? That oh, found footage. Yeah, yeah, and I watched it and it scared me. And I was that it's another one that was really well done. Yeah. If they're well done, I like them, but there's a lot of them that are like pile of shit. Again, like they're hit or miss, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um for myself, I gave it an eight. I, I enjoy the film every time. Yeah, you bought you you bought it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you remember telling me that. Yeah, I, I have it on um, the Voodoo account, and then I have a physical copy as well. So. Oh, well, that's awesome, man. Michael, what do you give it? <laughs> I would say about a a seven. I think not in a bad way. It's just, but I worked on it, so I guess I just know a lot about it. So like, <laughs> right. nothing, nothing about it surprises me. But I think, I think, also working on it and seeing how it turned out. Um, I'm proud of it because I just know how much work went into it. And I just remember like the late nights and I'm, I, it's, it's definitely one of the ones on my resume that I'm proud of. So, and like I said, I was friends with the director before and we run into each other from time to time and talk. So, you know, I think it's just, it's just a part of my, part of my life and memory. So I think a seven is good. Oh, that, would you work it, with Victor again? Um, I would, I would, but I don't think he shot anything. Or I feel like everything he shot recently has been either out of state or out of country. Because he's French. He's from France. So I think he's been working a lot more over there. 
over there. But I work with him again. I would definitely work with Phil again, the DP. Um, yeah, I don't. It's a, it's a chill experience. But I will tell you, seven p.m. to seven a.m. is not an easy schedule to do day after day after day after day. Oh, trust me, I know. <laughs> and that house was so dusty and dirty, and we were in it for at least three weeks. Like everything outside of that, we shot. I think we were out in the desert for like a day or two, and then we were at their house for like a day or two, and then after that, we were just in that damn house. And that was a tough. So a seven. I'm going with a seven, you guys. Going with a seven. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, before we wrap anything up or everything up, is there anything you want to promote coming out um, that you're working on or? I've done a few films that um, are still coming out this year. Like I did that Christmas Eve movie. It's they, I think they want to. Um, I think they're looking to release that in February, not because it's Christmas, but because that's Black History Month. And I really think they want to showcase. Um, the black a black producer and writer um which i'm excited for about that and then i did a, another film for my friend called silhouette uh with the same dp that did stock so i think you guys will really like that one and Indeed. um this i mean I, I have a lot of projects i'm writing stuff for, I, there's a, I think there's gonna be a lot happening this year that i'm really excited about i mean it's we're just getting going you know it's really early in the in the in the year but i think i'm pretty confident that I'm going to have a good sort of like resume this year. That's nice. all I want to say for now. All right. Features, shorts, little series. I'm just going to do it all just to keep myself busy. Farmer, you know what I'm talking about. I'm you right there with it. you. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, even if it's a short, my goal for 2020 is to shoot at least one thing per month. You nice. know, if I could do one, even if it's a short, if I could do one film per month, I just don't want, I just want to always do it because I love it. And I like doing shorts because um, it's really easy to get people to just watch a five-minute movie, six-minute, ten-minute movie, you know? And then it's like you kind of still stay relevant, you know, in a sense. It's like – and then I, I'll also do features. I, I, I'm probably strange when it comes to industry, but I love just creating, and I love giving the audience something to watch constantly, you know? So that's my, that's my story, Moon Glory. Right on. Well, we're about to cap this off. Uh, stay tuned for uh, an interview with uh, Lisa Wilcox at the end. Of right. We have an episode with a uh, little Elm Street royalty there. Yep. And um, I know anything that Mike has horror-wise, he's going to get to me, and we'll throw up on our Facebook page. And always, you're one of the people I talk to the stuff. most. You and Liz. Yep. And because we always have "quote unquote" water at TFW. <laughs> yes, that's right. We know all about the water. All about that water. No, you guys are great. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on your show. It was a, a lot of fun, really. Yeah, thanks for your time, man. That was good. That was a good conversation. A lot of a lot of information and fun-filled facts and laughs. Dropping little nuts. It was it was good. And then, um, are you still doing your podcast, Mimosas with Michael? I I haven't done it. Like I said, I, you know, I spent the last four months traveling a lot, and it just was like and filming. And I feel like every time I set up a um. An interview I had to cancel. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just put it on hiatus for the rest of the year, and then I'm going to get to it now this year. So it hasn't gone away. It's just like I really just do by myself. So it's like at least with you guys, it's like I I probably bring on another host and to help me with it. Maybe that will save it. That way it's like it can still be a thing when I'm not busy. But it's just 
Yeah. When you, when you film, you work such long hours and I travel, it's like, I feel like sometimes it's like the lowest thing on my mind. I apologize. Cause yeah. I want to have you guys on about the show. I think it'd be fun. It definitely helps having somebody else there to, to, to feed off of. Stuff like that, yeah. Sure. Brian, help me. <laughs> Farmer, you help. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, saying, string it on that. Help the man out. Will you? I was saying, man, give me the info and I'm there, brother. You know this. All right. We'll talk. We'll talk off air. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to bring your audience with that, but um, it is out there, yeah. And I do keep it going, so you can always visit. Like we did a whole Friday the Thirteenth thing, so like every Friday the Thirteenth, I'm like, hey, remember this episode? But other than that, it's just like, it is what it is. It's gonna happen again, though. I have way too much fun with it. So, but you guys know you do a podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> that's right. A lot of work goes into it. A lot of Sometimes. work, but it's worth it. It's worth <laughs> it. it. Is. It is worth it. And you guys are a lot of fun, so thank you. And I, I can't wait to um have a drink with you guys in Texas this year. I can't wait yeah. to hear Daryl's feedback about how much of a piece of shit he is and how horrible this <laughs> would be if he ever fucking made one. <laughs> and with that, what better way to cue is to end it out with fuck you, Daryl Hook. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to get some messages now. <laughs> Welcome back, gang. We are here with our final interview. We saved the best for last. <laughs> I am sitting down right now with the one and only, the lovely, Lisa Wilcox. How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? I, I, I'm good. Are you having a fun weekend? Oh, yeah. Karaoke last night and lots and lots of dark Christmas drinks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I'm sure you'll see videos going around the internet very shortly for that. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, so th- this weekend with mainly Nightmare on Elm Street because that that's what you're known for. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you've also done a lot of TV work. Mm-hmm. Um, you did Murder She Wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, you were in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as Missy. Mm-hmm. And my personal favorite, Boy Meets World. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I love Boy Meets World so much. Yeah, it's uh, a great show. Um, but you know, like any interview, we're, we're here for Nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. So with, with Nightmare on Elm Street 4 had, had a lot of obstacles, and essentially so did 5. Um, but um, let, let's start from the beginning. You had, if, and I could be wrong, you auditioned for Halloween 4 first. Mm-mm. No, you didn't? Mm-mm. Did you audition Nightmare? I don't think so. Did I audition for Halloween 4? Maybe I did. Where'd you hear that? Uh, around the internet. Like I said, you can't believe I really? remember read, right? I mean, it's possible, but I, I don't remember that. I don't know. From what I read, you had auditioned for Halloween 4, but it went uh-huh. to Ellie, and you had auditioned for Nightmare 4, and you got that one. Uh-huh. So essentially, like, the two of you swapped because you both auditioned for the same roles. Oh, my gosh. That is fascinating. Now I'm going to have to call my manager from the 80s <laughs> if he's still alive and see just for he wouldn't remember all right well i'll, I'll go with it okay sure we'll, we'll go with i auditioned it. halloween it's again it's very possible because we were you know i was auditioning for all yeah. kinds all, all kinds of things the nightmare four was not an easy audition to get they I, would I, not they wouldn't interview me they wouldn't interview no. how, how did the audition become about well, it, I mean, I was told by my manager that they had submitted me, and he said, but they wouldn't see me because, um, 
well, back then I, I had virgin blonde, platinum blonde hair, and the the you know 80s makeup and all that. So I didn't look anything like Alice in my headshot. Um, so it was understandable, and I still have that headshot. It's a black and white headshot of you know as as what it, it's like. You look at that and go, looks nothing like Alice. You know what Alice we created. I created Alice to be. Uh, anyway, they couldn't find their Alice, and Annette Benson, the casting director, told me that they like auditioned over 600, 700 actresses and could not find Alice. So they went into their reject pile. There I was in my shining, shining blonde hair, and um, I got to audition. And of course, I went in with dirty, straight, straight, dirty hair and no makeup, and I wore pale yellow. Which is my my worst color, and I and I acted, and I had read the script. They gave me the script before, and I just totally like related to Alice. And apparently, they thought I did too because I got the role. <laughs> so so essentially, you're the diamond in the rough that they first said no to. Yeah. But then they're yeah. like, maybe we have something. Yeah, here. and then hopefully they finally instead of didn't look at the picture but looked at my resume, which I didn't have a lot of work on, of course, but I had a lot of theater. And I have a theater arts degree from UCLA, and, you know, so it's like, you know, they, they went, okay, well, she at least has some experience, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what was your first impression of Robert in the Freddy makeup? Because Robert, as a normal person, he, he's very funny, he's very charming, mm-hmm. but there, there's something about that makeup that's intimidating. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's kind of hard to look at. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, it's not it's not easy on the eyes. Let's put it that way. It's freaky. It's like you know, that's a real person, Robert England, but it is it's, it's peculiar. I would say, did it spook you like when you would have to go on set and he first comes walking out with it, or or did you know, like you know, it's just a movie? And it, yeah, I knew it was just a movie. I was already a fan of Nightmare on Elm Street from the okay. beginning. So, it, so no, it didn't spook me. It didn't interrupt my performance. I mean, it would help my performance, to be, but I never felt scared of him. You never you know? felt? No. I would say, did he ever make you laugh during takes? Oh, sure. Because like, a lot of the lines in there are really funny. They are funny. But I'm sure he did a lot of uh, improv with it as well. He, he, he would work on a line, you know, now and then, but... Um, uh, the script was pretty solid. I mean, I know there's this rumor going around that, you know, there was all this, but, but no, the script was pretty solid. Was it? All right, because um, I had watched the documentary, Yeah. Um, Never Sleep Again, mm-hmm. and I watched it specifically for this. Uh-huh. And um, part, part of it was with four and five, they didn't have finished scripts because of the writer's strikes going on. Yeah. So d- did it make it more challenging for it to, like, flow because they're rewriting stuff daily on the sets or? really i don't remember a lot of line changes but we added a scene andras and i wrote that scene uh, when i'm in the den and watching the videos <laughs> of um uh the Kristen's died and watching her and my brother the video and he comes in and it's like what are you doing alice this and that and i start talking about freddie and i could i could you know feel the fire, can smell the f- smoke, you know, the, I think that's that with the line. But he and I wrote that, actually, in our trailer. We wrote that whole scene. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we added that. Um, so, Robert called Nightmare for um, Dream Master, the MTV's yes. Nightmare. Do, do you yeah. agree with that? Because you, you had 
um, Dream Warriors before, which mm-hmm. everyone knows and loves, mm-hmm. and people, while they they love Dream Master, it still didn't have like that click. But mm-hmm. it, 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 I think it was kind of the point where Freddy started becoming cartoon. Mm-hmm. So w- would you agree that it was the MTV version uh, yeah, of it? Yeah, I totally do. But but more so because the music was so freaking phenomenal. It was. It was, I think, the best soundtrack of all the movies. And I and still those songs play on the radio and, you know, it takes me back. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's... Um, yeah, I think MTV is the perfect way MTV to describe it. Way. And MTV was only about like, two years old at that point, too. And, yeah, it, it was the MTV, MTV version. I totally agree with Robert. Um, I mean, and, and also, you, I mean, it does become a cartoon. I mean, how often do you see a monster on a beach in, with palm trees in broad daylight putting yeah. on Ray-Bans? Yeah. <laughs> but it works. It, it, it does work. <laughs> and, and the whole um, being pissed on to come back to life. Right, right, right. Right, yeah, it's fun. So, um, <laughs> how, how was it working with um, Ronnie Harlan? Because still to today, he has this mystique of being very difficult to work with. What? But really? Yeah, I, a lot from a lot of interviews, actors have said that he's very difficult to work with, which I, I don't see how because the movies he does are so great. Yeah, um, and he's worked with so many great talents. Yeah. Um, so I would think that if he was so difficult, he wouldn't be getting jobs. But how was your experience working with him? Well, well, Nightmare 4 was his first U.S. film, and uh, he was quite humble, I found. And I thought he was lovely, and he was just uh, awesome. Yeah, I had absolutely... There's other directors I could say things about, but I won't. But Rennie was is not one of them, <laughs> okay? That's all right, you could say it. No, 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 no. No, we, we want to make but, sure you still get No, jobs. Rennie Harlan was humble, and he was, he was appreciative of this film, and he worked with us, and we, you know, we bounced off each other, and, and uh, you know, we, we, it was great vibration. Yeah. All right, so... Um, we always ask. Um, you're not on the road. Work, what, what are you watching? What am I watching? Yeah, I'm we we always ask it because. Oh, oh gosh, I haven't turned the TV on in two months. Because you're always on the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so and so I just moved, and oh my gosh, no. Um, well, I love the I love Ozarks. Um, Justin Bateman, I just love him. I worked with him years ago on Valerie's Family, um, which then became Hogan's Family. I uh, have loved Game of Thrones, and um, I did see Joker. I was like, Joker. I loved it. I loved it. I think Juan Joaquin is just like one of the most brilliant actors in our, of the century. And I just thought it was phenomenal. And yes, people, oh, it's so violent. I don't, I bring it on. I'm like, you know. You're uh, like, that's nothing. That's nothing, <laughs> right? <laughs> Try having razor blades in your face. But, um, so that, that, I thought that was just such a good movie. And I think he, he'll get nominated. I really hope he gets nominated, not win an Oscar for that. I would say there's a lot of buzz for it, but now there's a lot of buzz 
for Ford, Ford versus Ferrari, Ferrari, which was very yeah. good. Yeah. And but even still, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood sure. is still getting a lot of buzz. They yeah. just re-released that I think for a couple weekends with the new cut of it. Oh. So, wow. Well, well, Quentin Tarantino's Quentin Tarantino owns a theater in Los Angeles on Beverly Boulevard. It's one of those with the old-fashioned marquee mm-hmm. and all that. And he played his movie all summer long. Normally it has a different movie, like, you know, old school stuff, Blade Runner, that kind of stuff, a different one every day. No, he had his film playing yeah, all, all summer. summer. It was Which, great. I and I live, like, life. five blocks from there. It's great. It's so funny. Um, but, no, that is a good question. But I am, I do plan on I keep getting, and I have a list of things to watch of people telling me, oh, you've got to watch this show and watch that show. So I'll get on it. <laughs> so, so I would say you just kind of, like, break it down in the hotel rooms if you have time. If I have time. But in the hotel room, I go to sleep. Go to sleep. I'm tired. You're, you're I, like, yeah. tapped out. I'm I'll tapped see you tomorrow. Out. I might read a little bit of my book and off disease. Off disease. Mm-hmm. And then up again the next day. Um, do we have anything down the pipelines with you coming up or? Yeah, yeah, you do. I just did a Lifetime movie um, with uh, Michael Madsen. And if you don't know who he is, you totally will recognize him. He's done a bunch of Quentin Tarantino. Speaking of Quentin Tarantino, done a whole bunch of those, his movies. And he was in Reservoir Dogs. He was in, we were just talking about Once Upon a Time. He was in Kill Bill. He's done over like almost 200 movies. movies. You recognize him. And I had... Um, just the voice. Yeah, just his voice, I was right? A, um, He's I was a Chicago a, boy, by the way. <laughs> I was a, a kid. Well, people my age growing up um, probably would have been Free Willy because he was mm. the stepfather in Free oh, Willy. Oh, wow. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that was a thrill to interact with him. I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah scenes where we go head to head with each other so it was oh, that's so gonna be, cool that's gonna be fun to see yeah and then i can't tell you the title yet though and then um i just did an amazing film out in texas actually we filmed in hempstead uh called mystery spot and a, a wonderful wonderful role um it was probably the most challenging the ch- most challenging memorization I've ever had. I had 70 pages of monologues and scenes to memorize. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I could barely remember one page. Uh-huh. That's what, I, that's what was- I... I, I don't envy you actors, Al, because you guys put in a lot of time to memorizing these Heck scripts. yeah. And it's always difficult when they come to you like, oh, hey, we changed everything. And no. you got to remember the new stuff. And I'm like, I couldn't do it. Yeah. It's it's pretty um, it's, it's challenging. I'll never forget, um, I did a pilot with Kathy Bates a few years ago, which became Harry's Law, by the way. And uh, my role in the pilot, though, I get killed. I'm like, I'm, I'm the, I'm married to the the preacher, but I'm sleeping around. <laughs> this is a great role. So half the time I've got like a slit throat and stuff, and I'm talking to Kathy Bates, and we're just, she's like, Oh my God, you look, you look, do really do look dead. <laughs> you know, you're, it's freaky looking at you, Lisa. But we were talking, and they, and the thing is, she had a driver because. We were filming out, you know, and she has a driver because she the, changed the lines. She needs time not to drive to set. She needs time in the back seat to memorize lines and to know the lines, you know. Man, and that is uh, episodic, and that that's a, episodic's a tough gig. Yeah, you got to really have your memorization brain strong. I was like, hey. She ever try to get you to go into American Horror Story? <laughs> no, I wish. Yeah. I wish we didn't stay in touch, but we had a great time. 
telling our own um, ghost stories, our own experiences with poultry dice and ghost stories. Yeah, she's awesome. We had a great time. Uh, is there a role you regret turning down? Yes, but I didn't have a choice. I had I got I booked two different roles. And it was an after-school special that Marsha Mason directed. Marsha Mason is um, a big actress from the 60s and 70s. Anyway, she's directing it, uh, this after-school special, Little Miss Perfect. But I was also cast in this role where I played a, a teen um, prostitute, a uh, young prostitute. And I chose the, well, my representation said take the after-school special and I did, but oh, I so wanted to play that other role on the other project, but I had to choose. So, that's it. And I don't regret turning anything down that had nudity. <laughs> so. Uh, well, we, we thank you for your time. Um, we know you're very busy with the circuits and everything. Mm-hmm. Wait, what's the next stop for you? Uh, Apple Valley. California. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So, and I'm sure you'll have some bigger ones coming up. Oh, yeah. Yep. We're going to be in um, Cincinnati in March. Robert England will be there and hopefully. For the Horror Hound? Uh huh. And then they're going to have. I, I, I don't have my calendar in Your front calendar. of me. <laughs> It'll be a busy year. It'll be a busy year. I'm doing a movie with Debbie Rashawn, actually. We'll be filming in New York next year. Uh, then I have another film. Yeah, there's just all kinds of You got a lot of stuff coming. A lot of stuff. Well, and I've been gone a long time. I, I was out of the, the movie business for a long time, raising my children and all that. But um, I just got back in, back in the past couple of years. So. Well, and you probably see me in some commercials that have yeah. been playing, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're glad you're back. Um, you. And one last question, because uh-huh. I have, well, a few questions. So you did Nightmare 4 and 5. Mm-hmm. Was, was there ever... Like when before Freddy's dead, was there ever a six with you involved? Not that I know of. Nothing, you know, because I'm like looking back at I'm like Heather had three movies mm-hmm. and you had the two movies and you lived in both. Mm-hmm. Why was there never a third? Where where would Alice and Jacob be right now? I think they're doing just fabulous. Because <laughs> I I would always think that maybe Jacob now has a kid being how far a gap it is. Sure. And, and, maybe and Alice that, is a grandma. Alice is a grandma, but now Freddie is terrorizing the grandchild. Uh-huh. So That would be interesting. So I, I, terrorizing it. Well, yeah. I don't know. But no, they never did. They just completely did a whole new storyline. Whole new storyline. And for a long time, I felt like, gosh darn, I didn't get my death scene. And then a light bulb went off in my head and I went, wait. This is great. Yeah, I was like, Alice whispering. lives. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I guess too. Yeah, so they could bring me back, but I'm like, no, Alice is a true survivor. Yeah, she yeah, survives, Freddie. I, I think you may be the only character to be the final girl in multiple films. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of anyone. No. Yeah, I can't either. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure someone's gonna listen to this interview and, and, and they will tell us. And be like, nope, you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, um, Kelly Joe Minter from Nightmare Five doesn't get killed, um, but I guess when you're saying for multiple films, yeah, from, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm the only one. Yeah, I think, because I mean, Heather technically died in three, but mm-hmm. then they brought her back at for, the hands of Freddy. Yeah, and then they brought her back for New Nightmare, which um, different kind of concept. Yeah, which everyone now knows. You know, the rights went back. To Wes's estate, mm. so and they're now taking pitches. So, mm. where, where would you want to see Nightmare go? 
being that you helped create the franchise? Oh, I just don't know how to answer that question. I'm sorry. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah, bring Alice back. Let's, bring, let's, let's tie up some loose ends. There, there we go. Bring back Alice and Jacob. <laughs> yeah. I, let's, go, let's go there. <laughs> okay. right. And I think the fans would appreciate it. Yeah, I know I would. Yeah, good. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I thank you for your time. Thank I, you. I know you are very busy, and uh, I hope to have you on again at some point down the line. Great. And have a whole reunion. There you go. So. Yeah. Love it. So. Cool. Right. Thank you very much. I'm an outsider. I'm